0: I don't give a crap which driver wins. I know a lot of you will just hate the race if Kyle Busch wins and love the race if Chase Elliott wins. That's dumb. That's dumb.
1: welcome in to the first ever episode of stacking denny's this is jordan mackabee with fantasy racing online.com along with my partner here roto doc over at fantasy labs welcome nick
0: how are you doing jordan uh good to be good to be doing this man it's we've been talking about doing things for a while and it's about damn time
1: yeah absolutely you got for those watching the video, he's got his Paul Menard shirt on or not watching the video, I guess. Um, not many two Paul Menard pick of the week's going on right now with Larson, just dominating the shit out of everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there was a tweet going around about some of the most dominant stretches in NASCAR and certainly you have to consider Larson up there with among the most, you know, dominant stretches, especially in the modern NASCAR era. But, uh, you know, I know you tweeted about Jimmy Johnson winning five championships in a row. And I tweeted about Jeff Gordon having, uh, one of the most dominant seasons in all of NASCAR history in 1998, but what we're looking at right now with Kyle Larson may approach that depending on if you can, can, can you know, kind of continue this momentum and continue these finishes.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I know like earlier, I think it was after he won Sonoma. Um, I tweeted out, I was like, how many races is Kyle Larson going to win before these playoffs start? Because, uh, so obviously we had Nashville coming up, which he won, dominated. um, And I was kind of not counting him on winning that. But then we have Pocono this weekend coming up, doubleheader. Two races for him. He's the favorite, uh, at least for the first one, according to Vegas. I'm sure he's going to be the favorite for the second one. But then we have Atlanta after that, which he completely dominated earlier this year and gave it away at the end to Ryan Blaney. Um, and then we got Loudon, which he struggles a bit. I don't expect Larson to win Loudon, but, uh, a bit, or between, uh, Pocono and Atlanta, we have road America. And suddenly, you know, as we saw at Sonoma, Kyle Larson, is he suddenly the guy to beat on, on road courses, you know, um, after that, we got, uh, Watkins Glen, another road course, which that was his road for his best road course before he moved to Hendrick. Uh, and then Michigan where he's won at. I think 3 or 4 times. Yeah. Like we could we could see this guy win five more times before the playoffs even start. And I tweeted out today, you know, he's minus 150 to make the final four at Phoenix. To me that's free money because right now he has uh 12 stage wins and four race wins, which equals 42 playoff points that he's going to um you know, carry through each round. He's probably going to end up with the regular season points championship, which is going to be 15 more points plus any other stage or race wins that he gets after this. Um, It's just like you said, this could be the most dominant that we maybe ever at least that I've seen. I know for sure.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I think, you know, the big question mark as far as the championship for Kyle Larson and or getting into the final four, your you know your minus one fifty bet would be Martinsville, which has probably been historically his worst track, but he finished fifth there earlier this year. So I think just having good equipment changes everything for Kyle Larson. Um, as far as, uh, and I should say also that last round of the playoffs, Texas, Kansas, and Martinsville. Well, Texas and Kansas are two of those lower wear 1.5 mile ovals. He won Las Vegas. He won Charlotte and he dominated Kansas until those strings of cautions at the end, especially that really dumb caution. Uh, but, uh, you know it's just like Kyle Larson should be a shoe into the final four there i would agree uh, you know there could be a couple stumbling blocks along the way maybe talladega you never know what's <laughs> going to happen in the in the playoffs there but i mean he's won at richmond he's amazing at bristol las vegas another low tire wear track we talked about uh, Charlotte being a road course and he's all of a sudden really good at road courses. Um, and it's not like it's all of a sudden. I mean, the very first Charlotte Roval race, he almost won until he stuffed it into the wall there. Uh, he stuffed it into the wall at Daytona while leading uh, in the road the Roval race at Daytona this year. The guy's a good road course racer. So I- I'm agreeing with you as far as the number of wins we could still see out of Kyle Larson in the regular season. Pocono is going to be tricky to win both. I know he's favored um, and we'll talk about it on our Pocono preview. But it's really hard to have two good races at Pocono. Um, we'll mm-hmm. talk about last year's doubleheader at Pocono. Um, so it's going to be hard for him to win with both. I wouldn't be surprised if he won one. So let's say there's a chance he wins one. You know, obviously, uh, Road Atlanta, there's the potential to win there. He's been doing so well at the road courses. You mentioned Atlanta. As long as he's able to conserve those tires and not throw it away like he did earlier this year to Blaney, uh, potential to win there. Glenn, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Indy going to the road course layout. Michigan, his first four wins in the NASCAR Cup Series came at two-mile ovals, three of them at Michigan and one of them at California Auto Club Speedway. So uh, obviously Michigan, great track for him, and anything can happen at Daytona. I'd set the over-under on three-and-a-half just for the rest of the regular season. What do you think?
1: That I completely agree, and if I'm a betting man, I'm taking the over because this, this is just – insane how much speed Hendrick Motorsports has right now as a whole. I mean, you know, and I feel like um, it's kind of, it's making us overlook how strong some of the other guys are. Bowman has two wins this year. William Byron is putting together a great season. I'm not even going to say good. It's great. Um, You know, you take away the road courses in Daytona and his average finish is 5.2. That's like Harvick-esque. He's just not getting, or, you know, twenty. 2020 harvick-esque just not getting the wins although That's, he did have that one at, at homestead
0: yeah absolutely um and you know the the moral of that story which will kind of segue into is teams um right now hendrick is just the dominant team obviously larson but i mean you look at william byron he's putting together just a string of pretty much consistent finishes between first and ninth place he had an 11th at you know uh circuit of the americas and he had a 35th at sonoma which of course, both of those are road courses and, and the whole rain situation at, at Coda kind of is a little wrench in things. But his four finishes outside of the top 10 were Daytona 500, Daytona road course, Coda road course, and Sonoma road course. So everything <laughs> else, he's finished ninth or better. You look at uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, the guy would actually be ahead of William Byron in points if he hadn't gotten DQ'd this past weekend in Nashville. Um, so three of the top four in points right now are are Hendrick cars. And you got Alex Bowman who's sitting there in 12th. He's been inconsistent. We he's had some, you know, finishing closing issues throughout his career. Um, I know you've mentioned multiple times. He's dead to you as far as fantasy goes, (laughs) because he'll have a good day and then he'll just fade away. Uh, But he does have those two wins. He has four top fives. So um, right now, Hendrick just looking like the dominant team.
1: Yeah. I've mentioned, uh, you know, going on through this season where I've, I've been hitting YouTube harder. I mentioned a lot you know, as we got about a month or two into the season, I said, you have to wait until about the Coca-Cola 600, maybe a little bit before that. That's typically when we see a shift. It's where some teams catch up, some teams slow down. I didn't expect it to happen, but I think Hendrick got even better from before, you know, race 10 of this year. All of a sudden, they gained an extra mile, mile an hour almost over everybody else, you know. And maybe maybe that's um, being magnified by Larson but like I said the rest of Hendrick is running well if if the if your worst guy in your organization and your four car stable has two wins this year you're definitely doing something right
0: for sure and uh you know you mentioned that like 10 12 race being like a third of the season you know kind of an area where teams tend to improve or decline and we've seen it so much in the past if we look at uh 2019 um Hendrick was junk in 2019 as far as uh you know the start of the year and right around uh you know that time of year they kicked it into gear and all of a sudden chase elliott rattles off a bunch of top fives you've got uh alex bowman putting up some top fives oh, a string of three second place finishes in a row all of a sudden william byron he had one top five up to that point in the year four of his next five races or three of his next four or whatever it was uh are in the top 10 so and he only had one top 10 prior to that Um, so we see the same kind of thing. We also see teams fall off at this time of year, maybe not intentionally, but just as other teams gain, that naturally means other teams are going to fall off. One classic example, 2017, Joey Logano was second in points after Richmond. Had he not had his Richmond win encumbered? Um, so back then they could take away your win and find and dock your points. They still can, but, um, before they kind of implemented these new penalty systems, Joey Logano, um, had actually finished in the top six in uh, eight of the first nine races of the year and would have been second in points behind some guy named Kyle Larson uh, <laughs> until his Richmond win in the ninth race of the year was encumbered. So he won that race. It got to stand as a win on his career stats, but they took it away as far as the playoffs and they docked him 25 points in the regular season. After that, he was again, he was second in points. So he hadn't finished worse than six, except once in the first nine races. After that, He missed the playoffs. That's how junk that team went uh, from the 10th race of the year on. And he finished 17th in the points, the top car that missed the playoffs because he didn't win again the rest of the year. And that Richmond race was taken away as far as a a, a win to qualify for the playoffs. And actually, Penske was down that year. Yes, Brad made the final four, but he actually wasn't one of the top cars. You know, he had a very – he had a decent playoff. And and Joe Logano did improve again towards the end of the year, but for a while – Whatever Penske was doing to kind of cheat there and get their win encumbered seemed to affect their team through that middle portion of the season. So you're right. This is around the time of the area where you see some teams improve, some teams maybe not necessarily decline, but relative to the rest of the field, they start to decline. And one in, one uh, team I'm a little interested in will be, uh, especially this Pocono doubleheader, will be uh, Stuart Haas Racing. I'm interested to see because they look like they made some gains in qualifying in Nashville. Will that continue through Pocono? They were awesome at Pocono last year.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, I saw um, Eric Almirola was minus one twenty five to finish top twenty, and just judging by his record here, I think he has like six top twelves in the last seven Pocono races. Uh, if I could bet that, I I think I would absolutely hammer that. Yeah, he finished third
0: and fifth last year at Pocono.
1: Yeah, so that actually that segues into another point. Um, what's wrong with your boy Denny Hamlin?
0: What's wrong with Joe Gibbs racing? Um,
1: What's wrong with Joe Gibbs racing? But so Denny Hamlin started out the season. You know, he still hasn't won. I'm going to point this out. 17 races in 17 points paying races in even more when you take in the the exhibition races. Denny Hamlin has not found victory lane this year. He also started out the season. He was a top five machine. Uh, You could not. I could not. I couldn't even make a case against not picking him every week. You know, top five after top five. He has one top five in the last eight races. Martin mm-hmm. Truex Jr., after his struggles and, and being jinxed by me at at uh, uh, Nashville, has now finished 19th or worse in four of the last five races, and Christopher Bell has won top 10 since April. The only guy that's shining at Joe Gibbs Racing is Kyle Busch, and he seems to have found you know that extra speed, while the rest of the organization seems to um, have fallen back a little bit. So what do you think is going on there?
0: Yeah, and I mean, even Kyle Busch, you know, when you say shining, it's shining compared to the rest of the organization. Because in that time since uh, Dan, Denny Hamlin rang off his his string of top fives there through Richmond, that next race at Talladega, on Kyle Busch has uh, four top five finishes, but everything else is tenth or worse. So, um, including an eighteenth to twenty seventh, and you know, eleventh outside of the top ten. So, it hasn't been all roses even for Kyle Busch. Um, I think it's one of those things where right around that time is also the same time that Kyle Larson started knocking off those first and seconds. Chase Elliott has been in the top four in all, you know, all but three of those races, William Byron still continuing his string. We've also had a couple oddball tracks, you know, circuit of the Americas, especially with the rain race, not really true. fault there that he, you know, he got wrecked out in that crazy crash. Um, He had a great run at Sonoma, but nobody had anything for, for Kyle Larson and chase Elliott. So um, part of it might just be tracks. Part of it is probably just Hendrick really coming on. Um, And, you know, a little bit could just be maybe some other teams are kind of coming on as well. I mean, look at somebody like Ross Chastain's, who's had uh, finishes in the top seven in, in three of his last four races, for example. You know, some other teams are making a little bit of ground. We've seen Daniel Suarez with two top 10 finishes in the past five races. Um, so, you know, some of these guys, Cole Custer sneaking a top 10. Chase Briska sneaking a top 10. Those are all spots that are getting taken away from other guys. Maybe some other organizations, some other drivers, some other teams uh, are making a little bit of gains. And... The field's pretty deep this year. I mean, you got Eric Almirola sitting there in 28th place in the standings. (laughs) Now, obviously, Stuart Haas Racing's had a terrible year, uh, but... That's certainly not flattering of Eric Amarola. There's been some bad luck there. Uh, there's also been some just poor, poor runs and Stuart Haas has definitely struggled, but we've seen some really good finishes. I mean, we've got Chris Busher in the top 15 and points. He's put up some solid finishes. You know, Tyler Reddick is a threat to potentially pop off a top three or top five many weeks, even though he's only had one top five all year. He's been a threat to it multiple times. Obviously Austin Dillon's super consistent around that eight to, to 13 range, something like that. So, it's just i wouldn't say it's as much jgr as it's as it's you know the the field is just super competitive this year you're going to find you know stretches where certain teams or certain drivers struggle and stretches where certain teams or drivers do amazing i think the real trend here is you know when looking at a four car team just how well hendrick has done which has really pushed you know jgr from being top 5 contenders every week to maybe being like 6th to 10th place contenders every week
1: All right a lot of those names, I, I think you're completely right. First off, with the schedule, you know this is this is a really kind of weird point of the schedule. Um, you know, I mentioned last week, Charlotte is the last low wear mile and a half track until we get to the playoffs. Until we get to Vegas in uh, September, which is the second round of the playoffs. This is the last time that they're going to be at a low wear mile and a half track, and then they're going to go to Vegas, Texas, and Kansas. Within a you know a five race race streak, so um, one thing before I get to my second point with that, um, you a lot of the people a lot of the drivers that you mentioned are all Chevys. Do you think this is a Chevy? Is just that much better than everybody else, faster and stronger than everybody else? You know they they introduced that new engine when what was it two years ago, and mm-hmm. it was I I remember it was. Uh, you know, it was almost like disappointing because they hyped it up, hyped it up, and then Chevy just came out and they were flat. And now it's almost like they've caught caught up and understood it. And now, I mean, you just have to look at the races. It's Chevy, Daniel Suarez, and a brand new team are legitimately competing for top tens, which is, you know, mm-hmm. very surprising.
0: Well, and, and I say yes. And the reason is twofold. First, especially in 2020, Look at the end of the year. I mean, Cherry Seller winning three of the last five races and uh, just how much stronger Hendrick, you know, Bowman finished sixth in the championship. Um, Just how much stronger uh, Chevy and, and especially Hendrick was at the end of the year, 2020. Then you have to add in their partnership now with Childress. So before Childress and Hendrick we're providing engines to the Chevys, but they were doing so separately. Now they're partnered up. They've brought all their stuff together. And I thought that was going to make a leap in 2021. That's why preseason, I picked Kyle Larson to be in the final four. Uh, that prediction is looking pretty good. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that partnership is starting to pay dividends. Uh, they're really just cranking out, uh, you know, some, some some good engines and some good teams. Um, and, and like you said, you know, Daniel Suarez has, we've got uh, Chastain, reddick and dylan are 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 looking pretty good over there at childress so uh, a lot of chevys are 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 starting to put up some good results you know i mean ricky Stenhouse jr was really consistent at the start of the year um and put up a sixth place finish at nashville uh so i definitely think those hendrick childress engine partnership thing is really paying dividends at this point in the year Mm -hmm.
1: um yeah i was so going back to to nashville i was I you won't believe. Well, you you probably will believe how hard I was rooting for Ross Chastain to get that win, because in my mind I'm still doing the math of how Denny Hamlin can miss the playoffs this year,
0: <laughs> not make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, so I, I I need like a Ross Chastain to steal a win. I need uh someone to win, you know, like a a Ricky Stenhouse to win Daytona. Someone to steal a road course. You know, I'm doing the math in my head, and each passing week as Kyle Larson's winning again and again, I'm like. Oh, Hamlin's definitely it, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, in addition to Gibbs, I I'd say again, a non-Chevy team, Penske is struggling as well. You know, Keselowski ever since zero top 10 since May 2nd and just two top 10s in the last 12 races. I have a theory that part of that is due to these basically, we know we all know that they're true rumors that he's going to Roush Fenway next year. And the the conspiracy theorist in me says he's now getting garbage cars. Um but in addition to that, Ryan Blaney just and I can't believe this. Ryan Blaney has two top fives all season. We're 17 races into the year. One of those was the win at Atlanta, and I'm not sure where the second one was, but two yeah. top fives all season long. So again, is it just it has to be that Chevy is that much stronger than both, you know, Toyota and Ford. It's just very surprising.
0: Yeah. The other top five was at uh, Las Vegas, which of the air quote, low wear tracks is actually the highest of the low wear tracks. It was one that was repaved the longest ago. Um, So, you know, that kind of seems to be where Blaney is doing really well right now. We saw last year, Blaney, did really well at the, the high wear tracks um, auto club. He almost won. He should have won. Uh, and same with Las Vegas last year, early in the year of the, of the, the low wear tracks, it's the highest of the, the low wear tracks there. So yeah. that seems to be where Blaney shines and everything else. Yeah, he's kind of struggled. I mean, his other best results are an eighth at Darlington, another high wear track, um, and uh an eighth at Bristol dirt, which is kind of an oddball. But yeah, I mean he hasn't really gotten to his bread and butter now his first career win was at Pocono. So this could be a judge of do things turn around here in this doubleheader weekend. Um, He's been good at the road courses. I mean, his first, his next career win came at the Charlotte Roval. And then of course he's won at, uh, you know, the, the super speedway races. So, We'll really have to see if things turn around this weekend for Blaney at Pocono because this is a track where he legitimately picked up one. I mean, he held off Kevin Harvick for his first career win back when Harvick was dominating the whole series. So um, this is this is a potential for Blaney to have a good weekend. I, I do agree. I think Keselowski – I don't think Penske's necessarily sandbagging with Keselowski, but I think of the three cars, they're probably putting him third on the tier list there. Um, right. And, uh, you know, Logano has been – Logano's always been a driver who's been consistent, but has and he has a lot of upside, but he also has a lot of downside. He, he's pretty aggressive. He can make mistakes, and he's never been one who's like just cranking out top threes, top fives every week, like we've seen from Hamlin or Truex or Harvick or Kyle Busch at times in the, you know a couple years ago or Larson now or Elliott. Uh, Logano's really never been a guy outside of. Uh, the 2015 season, which is, uh, you know, ironically when he did not make the chase uh, or sorry, the final four, uh, because Matt Kenseth punted him into the wall. And then the year, the issue he had with Penske, where, um, you know, they they got encumbered. He's never been, even the year he won the championship in 2018, he wasn't in the big three there. I mean, he was kind of the oddball. Nobody expected him to win and he did, but he's not been a guy who just consistently cranks out top threes, let's say, especially, um, but uh so uh, you know, I think um obviously I'm not I'm not saying he's bad. He he can definitely put up multiple wins. I mean he had three wins last year and a bunch of top threes and top fives, but it's not like he's always doing that. You don't see a string of like eight out of nine where Logano's in the top five, right? Like we did with Denny Hamlin, or like we've seen with Truex last year, or like we've seen with Harvick in, in the past or Larson as we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. He's just he's always had his good tracks and his bad tracks, or his good days and his bad days. So I think that's just where we are with Team Penske. Keslowski kind of getting the third of the three cars. Blaney not having necessarily maybe his best tracks or track types, maybe a little bit of a fall off there. And Logano just kind of being Logano. I and mean, he's good. And especially at the the 750s, he's been better than the 550s.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as far as Blaney, you know, last year he actually had the most DraftKings dominator points in the series on low wear mile and a half tracks. Um and obviously, you know, with this schedule change this year, going more toward road courses. Yes, we've seen him him win at the Roval, but uh, I wouldn't say road courses are a, a super strength of his. So, so when you take out, you know, the, the mile and a halfs, um, it's definitely it makes sense why he's struggling a bit. Um, and and to to further you know hammer on your point there about it, it, it's always interesting to me. Very rarely do you see domination out of a Penske car. You know, we'll see it at Martinsville, maybe um, the, the flatter tracks, the shorter tracks, Phoenix this year, Logano did well, but even, you know, you, you know, the mile and a half and, and when they were a major part of the the schedule, um, you know, Logano and Keselowski, especially they never dominate like, and that's always, that's always my word of wisdom and DFS is um, they're never going to be a, a true dominator. They might win the race. And they'll get there and maybe lead, you know, like the last forty laps. But they're never going to put up, you know, even close to to dominator points um, that we see out of out of actual dominators. I guess is is the best way I can put that. So, so when yeah. you pair that with with a with a down year and 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 Chevy being so strong, um, it definitely makes sense that uh, that Penske is is kind of in the position they are. You know, they're not awful. They uh, all three of them have won, I believe. Mm-hmm. Did Logano win?
0: Yep, Logano's got a win. Keselowski uh won at uh, Dega yep. and Blaney's got his win at Atlanta, so yeah, yeah. they've all they've yep. all
1: won. Yeah. So uh that's yep. uh so another point, and I know we were both you, you mentioned the tweets earlier about um you know the domination of of Larson and it those spawn from a tweet that was a a guy named Greg Reinhardt and he, he tweeted Jeff Gluck and he said, uh, why are you, or you should be on Kyle Larson's payroll by now, as much as you're talking about him. And it kind of, it sparked this one, like who else are you going to talk about? Like what we're seeing is awesome, but um, it brings up the question is one driver dominating better or worse than what we saw last year with Hamlin and Harvick uh, where we had two guys dominating, is that which situation do you think is better as far as just NASCAR as a whole?
0: I mean, it depends on who you're a fan of. I think a little bit, uh, <laughs> or what you're a fan of. Um, if you're a fan of of betting, uh, I think it's probably better if it's a little more evenly distributed because it's so hard to bet the guy who's plus two hundred every week. Uh, whereas if the favorite is plus five hundred and there's a lot of guys that you know show some value uh so it depends a little bit i was actually just before we went uh went on the air i was watching a video about uh and my girlfriend's going to kill me for this but i was watching a video about super smash brothers melee and they had what were called the five gods of melee uh and there were five guys that dominated and and everybody else was kind of next tier like that's kind of cool because it, it, you know, any of those five could take each other any week and then you still have a whole tier of like second, second tier drivers. Um, So there's lots of different potential situations. I mean, there's been years we haven't seen any driver win more than four or five races, maybe up to six. Um, So I like those really spread out years. Uh, I think it makes it more interesting, 2011 being my favorite all-time NASCAR season. Go check into that one uh, if you haven't before. You know, For those of you listening to this podcast, it could be a little homework for you, but uh, some of the crazy stats from 2011. I think that makes it really fun. At the same time, you have to appreciate the greatness that's going on right now with Kyle Larson. I, growing up, was a Jeff Gordon fan. I loved it. Jeff Gordon was winning 13 times a year and uh, you know, 10 out of 13 or something like crazy numbers like that i loved it but i think it all depends on your perspective i think as a fantasy sports you know fantasy nascar player um it makes it a little less interesting because you're basically just schlepping larson in half of your lineups every week uh, at least um Mm -hmm. especially lately and uh as a better i don't think it's as exciting because you know it, it certainly takes out of contention i feel like a few more drivers uh and um the the thing is though it it does become a little more interesting though because if Larson's odds gets really short even the second and third tier guys odds should get a little bit longer so as long as you're fading Larson you you could potentially profit potentially the problem is fading Larson hasn't worked out for the past 6 weeks as far as uh you know fantasy fantasy and especially not the last 3 weeks where he's won every stage but one uh which was the the first stage in Nashville this past weekend
1: yeah so um you know DFS wise, I, I tend to be a contrarian. So this last week, a lot of my high dollar lineups had no Larson in them. And it's whenever I do that and it doesn't work out like that, I look at myself and I say, literally every single piece of data said, pick Kyle Larson and your stupid brain (laughs) didn't do it. Um, But just to put into perspective, I was, I was pulling up some numbers. This season so far, Kyle Larson has led thirty over thirty three percent of all the laps, which is just absolutely insane. When you look at fastest laps, he has almost twenty percent of them all season long. Um, it to me, I like seeing this. I i, it, I like seeing, and it might be because of the driver. So I know, I know for me, and I think a lot of the guys in the fantasy NASCAR world. For the longest time, when when Kyle Larson was with was with Chip Ganassi Racing, it was always God. I'd love to see what this kid could do if he got good equipment. And now he got good equipment, and I think he's doing even better than a lot of us expected. And it's awesome to see. Like I love it. And you know maybe that's why I don't mind. I didn't. I didn't really mind. You know the Harvick Hamlin dominating and getting most of the wins either last year because they were just that much better. Um, so. I understand why people might get bored, you know. People like Greg are are sick of hearing about the winners, but the thing is, Kyle Larson, like like we've said a few times here before, what he's doing, and if he continues doing this, it's he's putting together a very special season and and one that yes. we're going to talk about for a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Jeff Gordon's twenty eighteen season, or sorry, nineteen ninety eight season. 23 years later so um you know those are the kind of things that are memorable and I, I i do like to see it as well i mean i predicted kyle larson to have a monster year so it's nice to see my prediction coming to fruition um and you know it's it just it, it you mentioned a couple stats there as far as 20 percent of fastest laps 33 percent of laps led so he should theoretically based off of those numbers wins somewhere around 20 to 33 percent of all the races well we've had 17 races this year he's won four of them so just under 25 percent that's right in that 20 to 33 percent range of his dominance there so right. kind of makes sense makes sense uh that kyle larson you know is doing well and he's had a couple other shots to win especially you know kansas uh he potentially would have won circuit of the americas if they hadn't called it uh early so there's yeah, you know, Atlanta, where Blaney beat him late, he's had the potential to win maybe six uh, or even seven of these races uh, that, you know, he only has four wins now instead. Um, we're, we're talking, you know, a couple of breaks here or there away from him already having six or seven wins out of 17, which is, you know, as many as Hamlin had last year uh, and Harvick had nine. We're, we're talking just a couple small breaks away from Larson already replicating the the second most winning driver from last year.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so do you think if he if he goes if he continues this run which i see no reason why he won't and he you know he goes into the playoffs and and he carries let's say 90 points into each round do you think nascar says we need to find a different format or do you or do you or will they stick with it
0: yeah uh it's tough to say. I mean, Kevin Harvick carried, if he, carried 67 last year and didn't make the final four. So, uh, if now if it's 90, I
1: was going to say 90, that's a shoe in for Phoenix. If he has 90 points, he could wreck out a two of them and finish fifth in the third of a round and still make it, you know?
0: Yeah. And I mean, right now he has 32. He's going to get a chunk for, um, you know, finishing in the top probably two or three in the standings. Uh, I, I would say at worst top three or I mean, right now he's second in the standings and he's 71 points clear of Byron. Um, and if he wins, you know, the over unders three and a half, even if it's three, that's another 15 points there. How many stages he going to accumulate? We're talking, you know, he's, he's going to end up with at least 60 points. You'd think, uh, 60 bonus points as probably his floor, um, for, Mm -hmm. for, uh, uh, you know, going into the playoffs. 90 might be like his ceiling there. Um, but I think 75 more than Harvick had last year is probably like a reasonable expectation.
1: Yeah. So another thing to consider though, you know, I I know you're comparing last year and and Harvick carrying 60, I think you said, um, is I I feel like this year the points are a lot more spread out. So right now true X is second best with 22. Am I reading that right? He has 18 right now
0: yeah I'm seeing um, eighteen
1: yeah so eighteen you know uh Kyle Bush has seven Logano has eight Elliot has six Byron has six um blaney has eight you know nobody there's nobody else in that realm so um i I feel like just with the number of stages that Kyle Larson's winning um it's going to be an even higher or, or more sure advantage than even Hamlin and Harvick had last year. You know, obviously everyone's going to always point back to, to Kevin Harvick missing the Phoenix last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what, what would you say Kyle Larson's chances are of not making Phoenix this season?
0: Um, You know, all it takes is a really bad result at Talladega and then an issue either at Charlotte or Las Vegas in that that second round. I think Darlington, Richmond and Bristol will be a breeze for him especially at Bristol. Oh, I mean he's he's amazing at Bristol and we're on the the concrete track this time. He's amazing at Darlington and he won at Richmond already in his career. Um so I don't see why, you know, Larson would have any trouble in the first round especially, you know, you only have to beat Four other drivers or whatever it is in the first first round. Second round, you know, if he finishes, if he wrecks out and finishes like, you know, in the back three or four at Talladega, and then something else happens at either Charlotte or Las Vegas, he probably will still squeak through, but it could be close, especially if there's three unique winners among the Chase drivers. I don't think you'll mm-hmm. have any issues with that third round. Obviously, Martinsville could pose a potential problem, but it's not like he's a slouch at Martinsville. Um, you know, it is one of his worst tracks in his cup career but he finished fifth here, Um, and in the past he's had a third place finish at Martinsville, even when he's been, you know, been struggling with that track. So now that he's in the best equipment of his career, I don't see why, you know, Kyle Larson will have too many issues with that round. So honestly, I think that second round would be the most treacherous for him, which is where you have Talladega and anything can happen. Um, and then as long as he has one other bad result, um, you know that yeah, third saw... the, the third round only the only way he'd be he'd miss out is if if there's three winners that aren't him and of this still of the eight drivers left uh if there's three unique winners and then maybe he has one bad race and somebody squeaks in there on points or something but that's that's so hard i say he's probably 75% to make the playoffs if he goes in with like you know that 70 75 70-ish point playoff number
1: yeah i mean it- Talladega is always going to be the big wild card in that round. And as we saw earlier this year, you know, he had that issue and he only made three laps and he finished dead last. Um, that could certainly happen again.
0: Yeah. I don't think they're going to forget to to take off that <laughs> whatever. Uh, I don't remember what it was like some radiator pan or I don't remember what it was, but yeah. I, I, I don't think they're going to make that mistake again, but certainly at a super speedway race, anything can happen.
1: Yeah. So, coming up this weekend we have two races at Pocono um I know I I I really don't like these weekends these double headers as far as you know providing content for fantasy just because of the quick turnaround and um everything like that it's I wouldn't say it's as bad as same day qualifying but it's it's definitely I enjoy my nap on Monday uh after this weekend but uh so Pocono, Kyle Larson is going to be on the pole for the first race. The second race on Sunday will be a top twenty invert. Um, how do you how do you see this this uh, first race on Saturday playing out? So we already talked about Kyle Larson being the favorite. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook has him at plus two thirty. You have to go all the way. So Denny Hamlin's the second most favored at plus seven fifty. And then Kyle Busch at plus eight hundred, Byron at nine to one, Harvick nine to one, and Chase Elliott and Truex at ten to one. Do you yeah. think if unless something crazy happens, do you think Kyle Larson can be beat starting from the pole? I know a lot of times here at, at Pocono, um, and it's kind of changed a little bit with with the stages, but still, there's a very good chance that this turns into a, a fuel mileage race, which. We saw at Nashville Kyle Larson was perfectly fine with saving (laughs) while still going full speed somehow. Um, But uh, how do you see this this weekend playing out?
0: Yeah, I certainly think with stage racing Pocono and especially the doubleheader now making it a a 325 uh, mile race for the first one. I don't see fuel mileage coming into play as much um, I can't remember the last time we had a fuel mileage race at Pocono during the stage era i don't I don't know uh it's been a while, so I think that's less likely now. There still is a chance for a little bit of randomness at Pocono because of the pit stop strategy so uh if you pit you know right before the pits close and you're close enough to the leader, you'll stay in the lead lap, so then when all the leaders pit under caution, you'll cycle into the front. so there is opportunity for randomness at Pocono. Um, that said, not as much as in the past, but, uh, it's still a little bit. It's just like Pocono is one of those tracks that anything can, can kind of happen. Cautions can kind of happen at weird times. Um, fuel mileage can happen, especially pre-stage era. Uh, but I think with the stages, it probably helps Larson stay out front more so than maybe it would have in the past, just because you don't get as many different fuel strategies. Uh, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna pit at some point during the first stage and uh, you know and or, or hopefully uh, you know there there will be teams of different strategies because Pocono is so unique but it's not like it's not like a mile and a half track where everybody's just gonna split the stage in half or most people split the stage in half and uh, that'll be the end of the first stage you'll see all the top cars up front so it does make it a little bit harder for Larson to win. Uh, and to to keep a good strategy and everything like that, you never know when uh, cautions will throw a wrenches in things as well. Um, but certainly starting out front really helps him. Um, I don't think I would bet him this weekend, especially in the first race, just because things can happen at Pocono, um, and especially with pit strategies being as they are at Pocono. You know, Kyle Larson doesn't need to race race for points though; he needs to race for the win. So maybe he's on the strategy that I'll pit with uh, two or three to go in the in the stage. Take my stage, uh, you know, avoid taking my stage points and go for the win. Now, the more important time to do that is at the end of the second stage than at the end of the first stage. So maybe he tries to take the stage one win, grab that playoff point, and then figure a similar strategy for, you know, work his way through the field in stage two, do that strategy for stage two so he can start stage three close to the front. Um, But it does, again, create some randomness. You never know when other cautions will throw a wrench in things. So, right now, as far as betting, I don't love Kyle Larson at the number he's at. It's it's so hard for me to bet any driver at a plus 250, plus 225 type number in any race. Um, and Pocono, where there's a little more randomness, I certainly don't love it. But, you know, it's, it's Kyle Larson, and uh, the guy can, <laughs> at this point, can do anything. Um, I will say, Pocono hasn't been a super amazing track for him. It hasn't been bad. I mean, he has a second place finish. Uh, he has another fifth place finish, which came in 2019, um, which is kind of in the similar package we've been running now, but uh, it hasn't been one of his absolutely best tracks. So um, of course we've, we've seen him with other tracks that haven't been his best. He's been winning anyway, like Sonoma. So <laughs> you, you, I don't know. It's just so tough to say. Um, I like looking at Pocono more as the whole weekend. I don't think there's going to be any driver that's favored or any any team that's favored, especially when we look at last year at Pocono. There were only four drivers that had top 10 finishes in both races. Uh, Danny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick each finished first and second in the two Pocono races. One of them mm-hmm. took the win, and the other took runner-up uh, flip-flopping on the two races there. Um, sorry, I should say five drivers. Eric Almirola had a third and a fifth. Clint Boyer had a seventh and an eighth. And Martin Truex Jr. had a, a an unimpressive sixth and tenth. Now, the thing to take away from that is three of those five drivers that that had double top tens were Stuart Haas. And now Stuart Haas taking a hit this year. So who the hell is going to be good at Pocono this year? I don't know.
1: <laughs> and we don't have anything to really compare, you know, this season wise. Pocono's a two and a half mile track. The closest track to it is Indianapolis. We're not racing there anymore. So when looking at you know, comparative data this this week, do, how much are you relying on last year, if at all?
0: It's yeah, I don't it's know. All, what, it's all
1: gonna point to Stuart I don't know Haas what you're gonna rely one. On.
0: You you can't even rely on the fact that we've had auto club so far this year, which is a two mile track, because we haven't run an auto club this year. Uh we haven't run at Michigan yet this year, you know, and and those aren't really comparable as far as like a similar um driving style but at least as far as like they're two miles long and you get some horsepower going there um that's at least one little potential comparable thing Uh, our our biggest track this year outside of daytona talladega is a mile and a half track um and so it's just not really comparable we don't have anything to compare so you know we could look at last year but Stuart haas racing was the dominant team last year and they're so far down this year uh like what what do you do you know I mean I know Almirola is good at flat tracks he tends to be better at the smaller flat tracks than the larger ones but Pocono is is a good one for him but Cole Custer and and Chase Briscoe what do you expect from them right like outside of that I mean Hendrick was meh last year they're great now um Penske was was up and down you know I mean Logano. Had two terrible races at Pocono, Keselowski ninth and eleventh, and uh, Blaney's won here, but he finished twelfth and twenty second last year. So, you know, it's yeah. so tough to say. I mean, this is probably another one of those races where you could see somebody like Daniel Suarez sneak in. Suarez really good at Pocono. Uh, Ross Chastain, really good at Pocono. If you look at, uh, in his last two races in the lower series, he has a win in a second place. So, uh, with those gains that Chevy has made and, you know, somebody like Daniel Suarez or somebody like Ross Chastain, who this is one of their better tracks, uh, at least based off their past results in, in, at this track, um, you know, we could see a Daniel Suarez and a Ross Chastain sneak out a top five or a top 10. I wouldn't be surprised at all.
1: Yeah especially with, uh, you know, the Chevy power, like we said earlier, they definitely have this. And at a, at a two and a half mile track, you need that horsepower. That's going to be the difference because nailing a setup at Pocono is pretty tough. You, I think most crew chiefs go to make two of the corners bearable and, and say, good luck with the third. So as far as the, the tires they're running this week, um, just pulled that up. They're running the tires from Darlington and Homestead on the left side. And on the right side, they're running the tires from Auto Club in 2020. So, even you know the the tire data, Auto Club last year for the right sides was in March or maybe even February. So we're talking huge differences there. And then uh, obviously Darlington and Homestead um, this year, not I wouldn't say comparable at all to to Pocono. Uh, maybe just a tiny bit, but, uh, that's definitely not Pocono doesn't wear tires like, like Darlington and Homestead does.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at who was good at Darlington and Homestead, uh, I immediately jumped to Kyle Larson and William Byron. So, yep. you know, it's a potential and, and obviously Kyle Larson was great at Otter Club in the past. So, you know, two mile tracks being one of his, his better track types. So, um, you know, it could be another, another just Chevy day. Um, guess who else was really good at Homestead Chris Busher uh until he faded late was dominating a portion of that race um mm-hmm. and he finished ninth at, at Darlington so we're looking at these Chevys um Chris Busher being in a Ford uh and and you know there's potential for I mean Ryan Newman finished seventh and tenth at Darlington and Homestead this year like you know there's potential for a lot of names in the Chevy and and, and the Ford camp um to sneak in and get in that top 10, get in the top five, especially at a track like Pocono where there is some randomness, especially just because of pit strategies. So I think we could see something like, um, you know, maybe one of the two or two of the sh- the Hendrick guys, I should say, um, just get shuffled out by randomness. And then, you know, it's a free for all after that. So it's I mean, this Pocono weekend is kind of a free for all. And it, it makes it really great if you're a contrarian player in DFS.
1: Hmm. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be talking as far as DFS goes, I'm going to be talking a lot more, um, about manufacturer than I am really a lot, because I feel like Chevy obviously has the, the engine horsepower, but we think over these last three years, um, and I always, I stupidly do this, but I, I talk about like, you know, like Daytona and Talladega, which are obviously great tracks to, to gauge how strong these engines are. And it's been Ford, um, in these high horsepower, um, situations having the most speed. So I always default to that, you know, I, and I agree with you. I think, I think Stuart Haas could definitely shine, uh, comparatively speaking to what they've done this year. I don't think they're going to get to victory lane, but Kevin Harvick been what a sixth to eighth place car all year. He could easily be top 10 this weekend. I think, especially with, uh, the gains they made last week at Nashville. That was, that was refreshing to see to, you know, all of them um, perform well. And, and um, who was it Briscoe that had an issue?
0: Yeah. He was running well and had an issue. He was
1: running. Yeah. One of his best races of the year and and had an issue. And that sucks because, you know, definitely hurts that confidence for him as a rookie, but uh,
0: definitely going to be. If they can just take their notes from last year and, and, and the gains they've had recently, they could be in contention you know what i mean like this race is so wide open i'm sitting here you mentioned the tracks with the right side tires and left side tires so i'm looking at those three again ross chastain this year uh 17th and 15th at darlington homestead not amazing but better than his point standings and with the gains they've made recently as well and then you look last year ross chastain's uh Second best finish for, uh you know, the, the team he ran for last year, uh, it was, I think is that premium motorsports car or something like that uh was at California, which was, I think you said the right side tires or something like that. So yep. um, auto club. So there's so many potential good finishes here, whether it's Stuart Haas or some of the Chevys or some of the lesser Ford teams, you know, especially uh Roush. We talked about Bush or Newman. No idea what to expect this weekend. Um, you know, maybe Gibbs hits it. Uh, who knows? Maybe Penske hits it. I have no idea. All I know is Hendrick's probably gonna be pretty good, but you might lose one or two of them, just kind of the randomness of Pocono.
1: Yeah. So uh as far as an underdog, um who who kind of piques your interest as an underdog this week?
0: Chastain. Absolutely Chastain. I think it's uh the way they've been running lately um the, the his track history here uh especially in his more recent races at pocono um he finished second in the xfinity series last year in that colleague car and then in 2019 in that nice motorsports car he actually won the race that i shouldn't say car truck he actually won the race at pocono mm. so he's got top two finishes in each of his last two uh pocono races in in the lower series now um last year he didn't race either of the Pocono races uh in 2019 with premium motorsports so I should say last year he was with Spire but in 2019 he was with premium Pocono is one of his better finishes on the whole year so um Ross Chastain is absolutely a guy I'm looking at as a potential underdog here uh and Daniel Suarez would be the other guy Daniel Suarez this is one of his um you know better better tracks like when he was with uh when he was with Gibbs he was really good here. Um, He finished, let's see, he finished uh, second in 2018. He had a seventh place finish. Um, So, you know, this is a track he could do some damage at. Last year, it didn't go so well for him, but, you know, he finished 28th and 26th, which is better than his 31st place season long standings. And again, that's Mm -hmm. another team that's been getting a little better lately, and in that Chevy power, so um, yeah. I'd really look at Chastain. But I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Suarez had a good weekend as well.
1: Completely agree. Uh, you know, Chastain. I think when I did the math for the starting lineup, he's going to start sixth. So uh, he's got track position, which is which is huge at Pocono to start out with, and uh, you know, definitely the momentum and the and the strength. What do you think about? So I have two. Um, one. Again, going back to his Gibbs days was very 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 good here um Eric Jones he has top fives in four of the last five races, and you know you go back to um again, I said Darlington isn't super comparable, but they're using the same tire and Jones was always crazy good he was always my plug in at um at Darlington, you know, no matter what I'm mm-hmm. playing Jones at Darlington when he was in, when he was with Gibbs. Um, so he's my, he's one of mine other than the two that you said. Uh, Cause I completely agree with those. And then like going a little bit deeper, I think Michael McDowell could surprise some people this week.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely like Eric Jones as well. Now that you mentioned, it. I didn't even think of him, you know, it's, it's so hard. Cause you're like, this guy could be good. That guy could be good. And <laughs> there's ways to find arguments for so many drivers, uh, especially at a track like Pocono. Um, you got Eric Jones in the the Chevy Power, so um, right. you know he had. If you look at the tracks over this year, Darlington and Homestead weren't great, but last year California top ten, um, which again is one of those uh, another higher tire wear track in, in one of the the sides of tires that they'll be running on. So certainly some upside there for Eric Jones, and if you look. Um, in the last four races, 16th, 16th, 11th, and 19th, and the 19th isn't great at Nashville, but for the last five, he finished the top 16. If he can improve on that average finish, uh, you know, we're talking a driver who could contend for the top 10 or 12. Um, then, you know, you also mentioned Michael McDowell. McDowell is one of those drivers. He he loves the road courses and sometimes they call Pocono you know, a track that kind of drives like a road course. You got three different corners there. Um, and Michael McDowell is is certainly no slouch driving road courses. He finished eighth in one of the Pocono races last year. Um, Pocono hasn't been necessarily an amazing track for him but that eighth place finish certainly is nice um you do look like when he was with levine family racing in 2017 he squeaked out an 18th when he finished 26th in points he squeaked out a 16th the next year at front row and he finished 26th in points so um you know he's finished around nine spots better than his point standings a couple times there uh so it's certainly michael mcdowell in contention there i mean you look six at homestead uh this year darlington not so great california last year not so great so maybe not as much mcdowell for me as jones or suarez or or, or chastain but i can see arguments for mcdowell absolutely
1: mm-hmm. yeah uh like you said this it's just all wide open you know you can <laughs> you can make a case for a lot of people and um it and now we're throwing in the wrench of uh Stuart Haas maybe being a little bit better and then uh, a lot of people are down on um you know Gibbs right now because of how they're performing but like like we said this this is basically a new track type for this year. We don't really know 100% what to expect. So if you had to pick, you know, one guy to win this race, you you're, you're going to bet against Larson. Who are you going to take for Saturday?
0: For Saturday, uh first race, if I had to pick one Driver, I'd pick probably William Byron, uh, and the reason is a, you know, Pens or sorry Chevy Power, uh, Hendrick Power there, dominant team. B, look at his record in the minor league series. He's won at Indianapolis on the the uh, the bigger oval there. Uh, actually, sorry, on the road course, but he's also won at Pocono, um, in the Truck Series, and he's you know took a seventh place and a fourteenth place at Pocono last year, uh, which is. Outside of Stuart Haas racing, Tricks, Hamlin, and Harvick, uh, you know, was probably one of the best average finishes there. I know Keslowski was up there, but now you're talking Keslowski a little fall off, Byron, a little gain. Uh, I think William Byron might be the guy to beat outside of Kyle Larson. Um, I certainly don't – I certainly can't uh, bet against, you know, it, Denny Hamlin obviously has an opportunity. This is one of his better tracks over his career. Um you know it's so hard to bet against Kevin Harvick here, uh Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, but of that tier of drivers, like you know, Truex has been very successful at Pocono, but of those drivers that are like around 10 to 1 or less, I might go with William Byron just because of how strong that uh that Hendrick Motorsports is right now. And um I think this is a very good track type for him.
1: I agree. Um my bet. Would be Chase Elliott, just ten to one. I think that's that's a solid value. But I'll definitely be. I, I know for sure I am going to bet Byron top three this week. Um, yeah. You know, no matter what the odds are, I am betting that right now they're at plus two fifty on DraftKings. Um, what do you think of like some of these numbers? It's surprising to see, but like Joey Logano twenty to one. Do you think that's worth you know a little a little Salt Bay sprinkle? You know, turn five bucks into one hundred <laughs> or or. You know, just, you know, no chance.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's no chance. I mean, Joey Logano has won at Pocono in the past. Um, uh-huh. Obviously, uh, this is one of those 550 tracks, so it's not going to be as appealing as the 750 tracks where Logano has done a lot better. Um, he has zero top
1: fives here since 2016.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's it's so hard to bet against. A, a Penske <laughs> driver that's 20 to one, right? Like, um, especially one is established as Lugano. Um, right. You know, it, it, it's a little easier to bet against a JGR guy like Chris Bell, who's 40 to one or something like that. Uh, because, you know, he's only in his second year, his first year on a big team. Um, but uh, it's hard to bet against Logano at 20 to one. Um, and, you know, he has won here in the past. It's not one of his best tracks, but he's won here in the past. He's had, Some top five results in the past. I should mention, um, you know, they came 2016, 2015, 2012 was his win. Uh, So it's not like he's been lightening up lately, as you said, no top fives lately. Uh, And and last year, a 24th and a 36th was pretty rough. But but the year before that, um, you know, a 7th and a 13th, the year before that, Uh, a ninth place finish and a 26. So like he's got that like back half of top 10 potential um, and he's being priced as, you know, the 11th place driver or so in betting markets. So I could see a little sprinkle. I wouldn't, you know, maybe wouldn't do a full unit on him, but uh, as the week progresses and I get to run in my model, I'll have a more definitive answer on that, but certainly one I would consider.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I remember his. I think I remember his his win here well. That's when he moved Mark Martin out of the way, I believe.
0: Yes, it was. He, that, uh, was uh, that was. That was. Um, that was nine not, years not, ago. Not well received by yeah, by, that was, by the fans.
1: Was that the first race on? They repaved it that year. It was mm-hmm. I think that was the first race on the new pave. So, um, one thing I I do like about Logano, you know, pulling up his numbers here at Pocono lately. Is over the last eight stages here, he has finished third or better in five of them. So, whether that's due to strategy, whether that's due to him actually running well, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the tape. But, um, I, 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 it's hard for me, like you said, it's, it's hard to bet against Penske at 20 to one. You know, that's, that's why I hit him last year at Kansas at 17 to one and had a great week. Um, you know, when he, got ahead of Kevin Harvick on that final pit stop and 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 held him off for the win. So um definitely definitely one of those that that popped out to me. And of course, you know, Alex Bowman 18 to 1 um in that Hendrick power. You can't it's it's so hard to bet against Hendrick. Um but yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um you know just reeling off that Logano stat that you said about those stages you almost have to discredit that second Pocono race last year as well because of the the fact that it was like the invert but only the top 20 and he finished 36 in the first one there was no way he was going to finish up front in the first stage especially probably not the second stage and and you know the first stage last year or the first Pocono race last year who's first and second in those two stages so um it. it it's a good sign for him, at least as far as his last year's performance. Uh, unfortunately, he got that bad result, which prevented him from having a good starting spot in the second Pocono race there. Uh, so, you know, that's a, a pretty nice stat that you pulled out there for Joey Logano gives a little more confidence in that 20 to one bet there. So uh, we'll see what the model says for me. I mean, my model takes into things like average green flag speed, average running position, et cetera, et cetera. And all those things are probably gonna be more beneficial to Joey Logano than, 36th and a 24th place finish so that's always nice and and you know finishing first and second in stages means you're probably your average running position is pretty high your average green flag speed's pretty high there so um it my model will probably like logano a whole lot better than the just an average finish model or, or just looking at finishes would there so uh 20 to 1 logano there's something we keep an eye on when i start running my model uh here in a couple days
1: yeah absolutely so uh I think that's. It's been an hour. Yeah, doesn't feel like it, but it's been an hour. Uh, anything you, else you want to add before it's we easy wrap to talk up
0: NASCAR? We didn't talk too much about Nashville. Um, you know what you thought of the race there? Uh, I know obviously we're looking ahead to Pocono, but let's do a real quick. Maybe look back because the the Jeff Gluck poll was interesting. I think you commented that you thought it was a little higher for the yes. You like the race than you thought.
1: Yeah. So I there's two things. One I was before that race even started, I was ready uh, to come on here and just blast NBCSN for awful coverage. I think they did really well. And I didn't get super annoyed by Rick Allen. That which might be I, a first. It, it pains me to say that, but I think it's recency bias because, um, the all-star race. And I, I think I'm, uh, I will stand on this hill and I will die on this hill. I think a major reason that people did not like the all-star race is because Fox did such an awful job of broadcasting it. They did not explain it at all. It was a complicated race, but when you actually broke it down and if you explained it well, it wasn't that complicated. And you know what happened through the course of it was the best cars ended up up front as, as complicated as it all was to the, to most viewers, the best cars ended up up front at the end and the best car won it. Um, So I think I'm always very critical on media in general because that persuades public opinion. Um, And I think, you know, how the race is broadcasted is a a major influencer, especially with Gluck's polls on whether the race is good. Plus, it depends who wins. You know, I was very surprised. I think it ended up, when I checked it, it was at 73% said yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very surprised typically because most of the time when a driver, you know, if Martin Truex Jr. goes out there and the Coke 600, like he did in 2016 or 2018, that most people say they hated that race, um, just because of how it played out. So that's why I was very surprised. But then I went back to his poll from Darlington this year when Truex dominated it. And that was also at 70 something percent. So, um, yeah, I was surprised. I, I always, I thought it was a very good race. Um,
0: it oh, I played out, Paris. I think,
1: yeah, I, I, I liked Nashville. Um, I know we've, I've been looking on Twitter all week and, and noticed a bunch of horror stories from parking and, and people getting in there, but the same thing happened at, you know, I went to the first Kentucky race, the same thing happened. Uh, I got to my seat, you know, on lap two and then the next year it was an absolute breeze. You know, it happens every time. Mm-hmm. Um, But as far as the racing and uh, I know you tweeted about it, the parts failures, you know, having such an impact in that race, dude, I think that's why you liked it so much.
0: Dude, it brought me back to the nineties, like the 1990s, like, you know, I mean, that's the era I grew up in late eighties, uh, nineties, early two thousands failures, engine failures, parts failures, tire failures, just random ass mechanical issues, brake issues, like, Dude, that is the NASCAR group, and loved it creates a little bit of chaos, a little bit of havoc. You see some new names popping up there. you know we saw Stenhouse and Chastain up there like i I don't give a crap about the t v cover sure that can maybe help or hurt like uh what you know influences what we see um I don't give a crap about the parking situation. I'm sorry for the fans that experienced that. That's not what I'm experiencing when I'm watching on TV. Um, I don't give a crap which driver wins. I know a lot of you will just hate the race if Kyle Busch wins and love the race if Chase Elliott wins. That's <laughs> dumb. That's dumb because, you know, that there's a whole race of 300, 400, 500 miles going on. I'm not going to sit there and judge the race by one driver where they finished. Uh, so – all of you that judge it that way, I'm sorry. You're dumb. I, I can't help it. I'm getting on my high horse here. I'm getting a little opinionated. Uh, dude, I want to know how the race was. How was the racing? Did we see some exciting moments? Did we see some exciting things? I don't care if it was just the leader checking out. If second through you know 36th or whatever it was a battle and people are getting in it, Side by side, parts failures, strategies, cautions, dude, that was a good race. Uh, it was hard. You saw those drivers having to wheel the car. You saw them getting sideways. That was a race. I loved that race. I thought Nashville was one of the best races of the year.
1: Yeah, I. It was. It was very good. I. I agree. <laughs> I,
0: I got. I got a little opinionated there, and uh, I. St- I will continue to be opinion. I think you know what. All you need to do. Who just live or die by one driver. Start betting, start playing fantasy sports, because when you start just living or dying by one driver, you're going to realize you're not you're not going to make any money, uh, and that'll open your eyes up to the whole field and open your eyes up to the whole race and open your eyes up to everything. So play a little fantasy yeah. sports, play a little, uh, you know, dabble in a little betting if you want to, but don't attach yourself to one driver for the whole outcome of a whole race because that's dumb. Uh, yes, you're allowed to root for a driver, have a favorite. You can be upset when they lose, you can be upset when your enemy wins, but You can also detach it from judging how the actual on track product was. So I always try to vote in that poll based off the on track product.
1: Yeah. So that, that, uh, so a lot of my friends and, you know, people, I live in a very small town and I often get asked, you know, when people learn how ingrained I am in this fantasy NASCAR world, the, the question is, oh, who's your favorite driver? And I'm like, depends what week it is. Um, I don't have a favorite. You can't when you when you when you play fantasy like that. And even you know, like I obviously do not like Denny Hamlin. I like it when he fails. Does that mean I'm not going to pick him in fantasy solely because of that? Absolutely not. And and you're absolutely right. You know, getting involved and and even if it's you know if you're playing the quarter game and DraftKings, and you know you put five bucks up it's fun to have skin in the game like that and and actually have to root for something and and maybe make some money along the way so uh yeah absolutely um i are are you looking forward to pocono though after after I, such a great race at at nashville i'm
0: i'm the oddball that's always like pocono because there's so much strategy It is possible to pass at Pocono. It's not, you know, a one groove track. Uh, If you can get off the corner, especially off turn three, really well, you can get down in there and get past them going into one. Uh, There's multiple grooves going into one, you know, especially the restarts. You see four, five, six wide. Mm -hmm. I like Pocono uh, again, especially with the strategy, even with the stages. Who pits early? Who doesn't? You know, who pits right before the end of the stage? Who pits under the stage? Caution. All that stuff shakes it up, makes it interesting. It makes the on track product interesting. Uh, And you know, the best cars still tend to win at Pocono. You don't see guys like, I mean, outside of the fog out where Chris Buescher won, <laughs> you, you know, you don't see like, uh, Michael McDowell winning Pocono or something like that. And not, not to, not that he's bad, but like, I mean, he is in a little bit inferior equipment compared to those top tier drivers. Uh, you, you know, you're not, you're not giving drivers like, uh, you know, Anthony Alfredo a chance to win there. I, apparently I picked the, the two front row motorsports guys as my, <laughs> my, 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 uh, uh guinea pigs there or whatever you know you're not gonna see cory lajoy stacking uh denny's and, and winning the, the race there but <laughs> um you will see some interesting names pop up and uh you know it it, it certainly is a, an interesting on track product and this is so much better i actually think pocono is one of those tracks that maybe actually got better uh when they cut it from 500 to 400 now it's a 325 and a 350 and i actually think in some ways, maybe the stages help it just because of the strategy that goes on there. There's still pit strategy, the old Pocono, but it turned kind of into more fuel mileage. This is more like, do I want to pit two laps for the stage or stay out? Um, the tires can wear a little bit, you know, especially we're seeing they're bringing the Homestead, the Darlington, the last year auto club tire. Those are three of the heaviest wear tracks on the circuit. So maybe we'll see some tire wear here, some passing. Um, I'm looking forward to
1: it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to every race. I, it's a long season and it's grueling, but it's every weekend. I'm excited to to turn on the TV and watch it. And me too. Now, now mute it because Rick Allen's on there. But yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> throw on that uh that MRN or PRN broadcast uh, yeah. over the radio and, and line it up with the TV.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I just I literally just pulled up uh, Gluck's tweet. So set, it ended up at 77 percent said yes. And yeah, it, it ranks as three out of the eight intermediate track races so far and the eighth best race of this season. So Does far.
0: Nashville count as an intermediate track? Because, you know, some drivers say it's like it drives like Richmond, like a short track, and it's not as big as one-and-a-half-mile track. It's a little flatter than them. It's concrete. I don't know. what Nashville's just its own beast. I had no idea how to model it this weekend. I still don't think I know how to model it uh, going forward. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. I know my algorithm had Larson winning, but I'm sure – you know, ninety percent, not hundred percent of the it. It had I think I had Byron second or third. So I was, I was happy that it loved uh, Hendrick. But like I said, who doesn't? Um,
0: yeah, it's really interesting. My model did amazing in Xfinity and trucks, and with Cup, it was just like, eh. like obviously it had Larson, uh, but it had a second, and Lagana struggled. I wonder if some of that struggle was from the contact early with Almirola. Um But by and mm-hmm. large, I think my dot my model even in Cup did okay. Um, I just don't think it did amazing like it did in trucks and Xfinity. So I still have, you know, I mean, I was using the the tracks I selected for Nashville, uh, were Kentucky because it's the flattest of the mile and a half tracks, uh, and low wear and not that Nashville's low wear or high wear or whatever, just, it was the flattest of the one and a half mile tracks. I selected Phoenix because it's a mile track and flatter, but then I selected Darlington and, uh, Dover because um, you know Darlington was closest in size about a mile and a third and Dover was concrete so uh, and yeah. they're, they're more high banks but I figured the lower banks of Phoenix and, and Kentucky and average it with the higher banks we kind of approximate it a Nashville-ish so kind of sucked just because like there's no way to model it really well maybe I should have thrown Richmond in there a lot of, you know some of the drivers said drive a lot like Richmond um yeah. and you know, I know in Phoenix, we've in the past seen some brake failures, so I thought definitely capturing Phoenix maybe was a good a good move there by me. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah it's just a really really strange track, and uh, you know, as long as the model had Kyle Larson winning, I think both you and I hit it right. Isn't that how that works? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, well, that's funny. I I know we didn't. I don't think we talked at all before the race last week. Uh, but I also so my algorithm. Took in Phoenix was my main one because when I when I was watching the the actual you know going around the track it just reminded me of Phoenix you know mm-hmm. just how it raced uh, and then Richmond because um, I think Richmond is basically a reverse Phoenix now uh, and then I threw in all the low wear mile and a halfs um, over the last this season and and last season and then um, yeah Darlington and Dover. So
0: yeah, I didn't want to throw in too many mile and a half'cause this was a seven fifty instead of a five fifty. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so there's a little bit it, it's so hard. You just have to make some judgment calls uh until we get more data here. Um figure out what tracks it most closely correlates with. Um so it's just super super judgment call. Uh and I had I just had no idea. How to how to model this race? I had no idea what the heck was going to happen. One thing I'm a little bummed that I thought about midweek, um, that I never like tweeted out or mentioned, was Eric Almirola. I thought he was going to have a good race because I know he's good at the shorter flat tracks, um, and I just figured you know, this might be one of those tracks that it's a little flatter. It's a little shorter. Maybe this will kind of approximate some of his better tracks uh, that that he's had. You know, I mean, his two best finishes outside of Nashville, which um, were Richmond and Phoenix, which are, you know, like you said, Richmond and Phoenix are basically reverse of each other, short, flat tracks. So I thought this would be a really good track for him. And uh, I neglected to like even tweet it out or mention it. Um, because I think that 80 to one pole bet, I saw some people tweeting that they hit that. Uh-huh. I thought that was a really good, really good bet by them. Um, so I'm glad they, they nailed that and, I uh, just forgot, totally forgot to mention it. Um, uh, my model kind of liked him. It gave him, you know, like a, a 15th or 16th place average finish, which, uh, was right around 15th or 16th among all drivers, um, which is better than he's been doing this year. But, um, yeah, I think uh, just that one I would have loved to have had back in terms of – not in terms of the model. I think the model kind of got him right. Just in terms of like tweeting out, I think there's even more upside than the model suggesting.
1: Yeah, he was – I don't remember if he ended up in the optimal in DraftKings or not, but I know he was in a lot of the top lineups. Um, when I was
0: yeah, it's pretty in. hard to end up in optimal when you start on the pole and don't really lead. Uh, but he right. still finished fourth, so it didn't kill him. I mean, uh, that gets him – what 41 minus three 38 points between um finishing position and place differential so not the worst there then i'm sure he picked up a few dominator points he's probably hovering in the the 40 point range there i don't actually have it pulled up but that's my guess as to where he'd be around DraftKings points and um don't remember his salary either but i'm sure it was in the upper sevens or low eights so probably a solid day seven seven seven. so you know 40 points is right around 5x uh five X tends to get you like borderline in terms of like being in an optimal lineup. You'd like to have a little more than five X, but you can stomach a five X driver too, as long as you nail the dominators as well. So certainly I think Almorola helped people cash this past
1: weekend. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: And his, he was so low owned. He was like 11 or 12%, um, which is kind of where my model predicted him to be as far as, uh, uh, ownership. Um, I think Almorola was one of my, my more accurate, uh, as far as the ownership, Mike, I didn't even know how ownership, I figured it'd probably be pretty standard as far as ownership. And I actually had a really accurate ownership model this weekend outside of one driver. Um, I can't remember which driver it was, but outside of one driver, my model would have been like 80% accurate. Um, and there was one kind of big miss, but um, kind of stalling here because I'm trying to find my Almorola projection. I predicted him at 12.9% ownership. Um, and I think it was like 11 or 12%. But his perfect percent, the, the chance he ended up in the optimal lineup, I pegged it at my model, not me personally, but my model, which takes all of my opinions, and all my biases out of it, it's just numbers, uh, pegged him at 21%. So I think, you know, he certainly was under-owned in DraftKings, given that his result did end up being around a 5X result.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was right there with you. I, I had him projected at 11.9 ownership, which this is my first year trying to project ownership and that's, that's never been my strong suit. Um, but I I feel like I'm getting better at it. You know um, I had, and it, it, this got me thinking, uh, you know, Larson came in at what? 55% this mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit lower. I know in like the, the $400 contest, he was at 70, but um, it's, it's one of those. Obviously, DraftKings pr- priced him up last week. They're probably going to price him up this week. Um, that that definitely opens the door to not taking him. Is again, like I keep trying to make these cases of, of this not is this is a Kyle great Larson. week.
0: This is a great week to not take Larson because Pocono doesn't have that many laps, mm-hmm. and you've got the whole fuel strategy thing going on where. Uh, some drivers are going to stay out and run it long. Uh, you see it every time at Pocono. Some drivers try to run it long and catch a caution, and then they can pit under, uh, you know, under caution or whatever. And um, it, so you see all sorts of different fuel strategies at Pocono, which means no matter what Larson does, somebody else is going to do something opposite and lead a chunk of this race at some point. Um, that's you know, if, if Larson wants to pit before the end of the stage, he's going to at least give up, uh, you know, a little bit of of, of stuff there. Uh, if he wants to pit right at the end of the stage, that's to win a stage, that's going to set him back at the start of the next stage. So this is a great week to fade Larson. Well, I obviously are saying that without seeing DraftKings salaries. Um, if they price him a thousand dollars more than anybody else, you know, anybody else this weekend, it's going to be a great week to fade Kyle Larson. But if everybody starts saying that, you know, at what point <laughs> is it a good week to play Kyle Larson? So it's so tough to right. say. Um, it all just depends on kind of where we see the salaries shake out, where we see the betting lines shake out, uh, where we see you know DFS tout opinions shake out, that actually has always been a factor in my model in the past, um, and was actually one of the biggest factors in my model in the past, uh, along with practice. Now that we don't have practice, it's uh, made my model a little less accurate because um, you know you don't get that that hard piece of weekend evidence to know how a driver may or may not perform now last weekend at Nashville, we had that which certainly helped probably was why it was one of my my highest accuracy ownership percentages of the whole year uh but uh you know i think it's um i think it's interesting that uh this weekend could be a weekend to fade kyle larson in fantasy now um you know it's never a good weekend to fade larson but this if there is maybe this is one
1: Yeah. Do you think he's gotten to the point of people are just plugging him no matter what? They're just throwing Larson in there. So looking at recent, um, ownerships, he's been, uh, let me pull this up real quick. So at Sonoma, he was 20% owned, but he started, uh, on the pole, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I kind of throw those out sometimes, uh, and just focus on those, but uh, or on other races. But um, so Charlotte, he was fifty one percent owned in the big GPP at Darlington. He was forty six percent owned at Kansas. He was fifty percent owned, and then he was right there at fifty percent this week as well. I feel like we've gotten to the point where he is just, you know, people are just plugging him just because of the name, which obviously one of these weeks it's going to. The strategy is going to be to not have him or to be underweight. Um, and if you're like me and you and you kind of take that that strategy every week, it's going to hurt until you finally hit, and then chances are you're gonna you're gonna hit big. So, do you think? I know you have a contrarian mindset like I do when it comes to DFS. Do you think it's better to just eat that chalk and differentiate yourself in other places? And maybe even, you know, stay, stay at 50% Larson for the time being, or, uh, obviously this week you said, you know, it's a decent opportunity and I completely agree, obviously depending on where they price him, but, um, to be underweight on him. But if this was like a normal week, if we were at Charlotte again this week, um, do you, do you think it's better just to go under same or over, I guess is the, is the question.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, with Kyle Larson, and so, you know, those tracks that you named that he was like 40 to 55%, let's just say in that range, those are all intermediate ish tracks, you know, that have at least 267 laps. Um, It depends on the track, right? So if you're on those, that's where Larson's been shining this year. I mean, he, he won Nashville, he won Charlotte, he finished second at Uh, or sorry, one Las Vegas, uh, he finished second at Darlington fourth at Homestead and he dominated Kansas until, uh, the, the cautions there late, um, you know, led the most laps. Those are all tracks that like, you probably can just plug and play in almost at this point and and differentiate elsewhere, you know? Uh, but, uh, I think Pocono, you know, if people continue to just plug and play Larson and not think about. The track, the number of laps, the the strategy of the race itself—not DFS strategy, but the strategy of the race itself—if they just continue to plug and play Larson, um, you know, we could we could see this being an absolutely great weekend to get off of Kyle Larson. I'm more curious if it'd be better to get off of him at lower stakes or at higher stakes. Higher stakes people tend to be sharper, uh, but also tend to be chalkier. Uh, especially with the dominator, you know, you see Larson at 70% in the high stakes versus 50% or whatever in the, the big GPP. Um, Is this a week where if they're going to be sharper, maybe we'll see Larson at 40, 30 or 40% in the high stakes, but 50% still in the big GPP, or I I don't know. It's tough for me to say, because I still think people tend to be chalkier at higher stakes. Um, And, Uh, so I'm not sure if it'd be better week to get off of Larson at lower stakes or at higher stakes. I think, um, you know, when you see Larson at 70%, 80% at higher stakes, it's so much easier to get off of him than when you see him at 40 or 50% at lower stakes. Uh, you know, but, uh, I think it just all depends on the the format of the tournament you're playing. If it's super top heavy, you know, I could see fading Larson, um, even in, uh, even if he's 50% owned, if it's like close to a winner take all type thing you know because you just right. want to like a yeah a qualifier well my you know. my 2017 qualifier win was the coca-cola 600 kyle larson was starting like near dead last and he was 88 owned or something in like the high stakes qualifier and i was one of like two people that faded him so as long as i had a better lineup than the other guy and larson had a problem uh, it was basically a coin flip as to whether I'd qualify or not. Sure enough, 600 mile lace, race, Larson being Larson being pretty aggressive, hit the wall partway through, and uh, I won a qualifier in 2017. So you just got to know, it, it. it's so hard to give a one size fits all answer because there's so many variables, different tracks, different number of laps, different strengths of the drivers, different strategies within the race, different strategies within the DFS contests you're playing, uh, different, you know, uh, buy-ins, different prize pool structures so it's so hard to give a one-size-fiddle i generally try to steer my answer towards the big gpp because that's the one that has the most people in it uh and i still think this would probably be a good weekend to be underweight on larson but we'll kind of see you know how things shake out with public sentiment as the weekend approaches
1: right yeah I, i'm very interested to see where they price him because they're they should do two different sets of, of prices this week right yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Saturday then come out with Sunday's after Saturday. So that's going to be the the fun part is the the invert on Sunday and and so much chalk with place differential there, especially like you said the uh Saturday's race is 130 laps, Sunday's race is 140. So not a lot of dominator points especially coming off of a 300 ra- 300 lap race at Nashville. Um definitely another one of those where you have to reset your mind a little bit and um really you know, take into account the full the full and he's scoring. And he's things, not right.
0: going to dominate the whole race, period. Like even that last stage at Pocono, if he splits the stage in half, you are going guaranteed you're gonna have drivers that run it long. Uh that run it ten or, or twelve laps longer on that final stage, which would be ten or twelve laps Kyle Larson doesn't lead, which'll also mean they pit later, potentially under green, and get fresher tires, and then they're running the fastest laps. So you will not see Kyle Larson racking up crazy ass amounts of dominator points that doesn't mean he still can't rack up a good chunk and win the race and be in the winning lineup it's just a
1: lot harder yeah so to to compliment your point there looking at the two races here last season um so saturday's race almirola started on the pole he led 61 laps and then there were five different lap leaders that led between 10 and 17 laps harvick who won the race only led 17 laps that race mm-hmm. uh and then in sunday we had hamlin who started 19th and won the race he led he led uh 49 laps kurt bush who started third led tw- 35 laps ryan blaney led 21 laps keselowski led 13 harvick led 11 so both of these races had five or six drivers that led you know double digit laps um and that could definitely be and it probably will be what we see this weekend in both races, especially that second one, because, you know, the the best drivers, the best cars are going to be starting mid pack. And someone someone's going to lead those those first laps. Yeah. Until um, those good guys get up there.
0: Exactly. And, you know, what you're saying is the most laps that anybody led in either of those two races last year was Alvaro with 61. Let's say Larson's even somehow better in Leeds. 80 laps. That's still only 20 dominator points uh from mm-hmm. laps led and he's probably popping up another 20 dominator points in fastest laps. You know, you're looking at like a ceiling for Larson this weekend of like 85 points, maybe 90 points in that first race. Uh tops, right? Which will get him into the winning lineup, but that's like a ceiling. That's a ceiling. So he has ceiling to be in the winning lineup. Uh if he's priced at close to 12,000, <laughs> you know, it's uh, and he he gets let's say half of those dominator points, all of a sudden you're looking at 60, 75, 60 to 75 range of of total DraftKings points, even if he, you know, let's let's say he finishes uh, second instead of first, then all of a sudden he's like borderline on being at winning line, borderline like five X value, you know, with your top tier drivers. You want more than five X value. So um it's it's a weekend where we could fade Kyle Larson. Now obviously it's gonna be hard. The dudes on the pole. The dude's the best driver in NASCAR right now uh, in the best team in NASCAR right now. So uh, it's going to be tough, but uh, I think in certain formats this weekend, depending on, you know, the pricing structure that DraftKings and FanDuel put out, um, especially FanDuel, it's potential to fade them here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, like you said, the, the contest formats, you know, the single entries, the three entry max, the qualifiers, you know, it's all about finding an edge there and and being underweight on Larson as crazy as it sounds could be the winning strategy to you having a big day, but it's going to depend on, you know, where he, where they're, where they price him. It's that's, that's going to be a tough decision for DraftKings. You know Um, he's on the pole, but, and he's the best driver. Where do you put him? So I know with my, with my slingshot game, how I'm doing it with double headers is um, same driver prices for both races and I priced him up this week. So, um, I know as far as strategy, you know, I always do a video on, on that game specifically for, for the people that play at my site and, uh, you know, strategy wise, I'm probably not going to be on him on Saturday because of that, even though I think he's definitely going to finish top three. Um, but then definitely be on him on Sunday, just, you know, because it's it's Kyle Larson and he should you know start yeah. mid pack so
0: yeah now if you're talking uh, fantasy live or something like that that's a whole other strategy uh you know the mm-hmm. NASCAR.com's uh fantasy this is a great weekend to just not play Larson um, yeah <laughs> you know there's yeah. so many other this might be a weekend you could sneak in somebody uh in that second tier of of drivers that mid tier of drivers you know maybe a Ross Chastain you sneak in this weekend uh, as one of your you know, replacing your top guys, or maybe this is a, a weekend where you do sneak in somebody like Orion Blaney who you, you know, you're playing a lot of mile and a half, but there's also a lot of tracks you're not playing him at. Um, or, you know, just uh, maybe this is a weekend you sneak in, Kevin Harvick, uh, because he's been struggling this year. Maybe you played him a few times and realized Stuart Haas was off the pace. And this might be with how strong Stuart Haas was here last year. Weekend, you could play Kevin Harvick instead of always playing Truex or Hamlin or or Larson or Chase Elliott, things like that. So, a lot of ways to differentiate this weekend. And I'm, you know, my big takeaway going into Pocono is again, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen based off of (laughs) last year, where. Only five drivers did well. Three of them were Stuart Haas, and the other two were the big two in Hamlin and Harvick. Uh, and both of them – Hamlin and Harvick haven't won this year, and Stuart Haas is is off this year. Um, uh, and then the other guy was Truex, I should say, but he only finished in the back half of the top ten in both of them. Like, no idea what to expect this year. No idea. No yeah. idea what to expect Tru- in Pocono. It's, it's going to be and, fun.
1: And Truex is, is garbage right now, you know. Yeah, anyway. uh, yeah he uh like i said this this stretch of races uh i'm not a fan of it one because of same day qualifying double headers and then same day qualifying um with this low four h race, race stretch plus you know nashville we didn't know how to what to compare any tracks to with nashville pocono like you said this is going to be tough because we don't have any recent data and then road america they've they haven't raced there before obviously we can We can pull the road course data, but um, they still haven't raced at Road America. And for all we know, it'll probably rain again, and we'll have another CODA. So, (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. So, um, you know, at least Atlanta, get back to normalcy. Um, You've got Homestead. You can compare it to uh, a little less so Darlington, because Darlington, they moved to 750. But at least last year, you've got darlington which was at 550 um so you've got last year's darlington races last year's atlanta races last year's homestead this year's homestead and this year's first atlanta race so like atlanta's gonna be a normal weekend new hampshire just short flat tracks you know um glenn we can it's fine uh and then so we you know we get a little bit of a break after that and then we go to Indy road course again uh which is another newbie for the the cup series so you know you mentioned that tough stretch here we got three tough weeks then we get three kind of easier weeks then it's back to another tough week with Indy as far as content providing uh but after that michigan daytona darlington richmond bristol vegas taubega charlotte roval you know the rest of the season out we're back to to normal content providing uh abilities for the most part so that's nice absolutely so we just we just gotta survive this little last stretch
1: (laughs) yeah and i'm 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 really looking forward to the uh the off weeks there for the olympics you know two weekends in a row like like i said this these seasons just i love doing this but it gets long you know and and uh the second half of the season has always been where i shine and, and where i'm at my best so i'm really looking forward to you know getting through this getting to probably when the playoffs start is when I'm really going to be like, okay, you know, I'm at my best. Let's go. Because, um, we all know you're the, you're the king of Daytona and Talladega. So <laughs> before that, before the playoffs start, um, we have, we have Daytona to, to kick us off. So, uh, I've been down. Yeah.
0: I've been down the uh, the mile and a halfs this year. That's been my best. Is uh, all the mile and a half tracks or or the intermediates, I should say, outside of Nashville, um, the mile and a halfs, uh, whether they're high wear or low wear, and in Darlington, those have been my my best tracks this year. Um, you know, Daytona and Talladega, uh, as far as DFS, always. You know, I tend to profit on most of those. Not always. I mean, there's always the race where. Um, all the back markers get wiped out, which seemed to happen in the Daytona 500 this year. Uh, All those chalky guys in the back got wiped out. It feels like um, made a little tougher. Uh, And there was a, there was like a Coke zero 400 a few years ago where that happened, but by and large Daytona and Talladega are good for me. But uh, the other tracks tend to vary some years. It's Martinsville. Some years it's Bristol. Some years it's uh, the mile and a half. And this year it seems to be the mile and a half. So um, that's just kind of the variance of, of fantasy NASCAR. So uh, it's great. I love it. I mean, there's things that are always changing. Some of it's the rules, right? Like in 16 and 17 and 18, you had certain rules packages, 19, they changed everything. 20, they kind of cut down uh the, the, the blades off of them for the shorter tracks. And so, you know, there's always constantly changing rules and, and, and things to kind of chase around. That's what makes this whole thing a little bit fun. And uh, you know, yes, practice, no practice, same day qualifying double headers, new, co- new tracks. We got all these road courses this year. It's fun. It's fun. It's uh next year it's all going to change with a new car too
1: yeah it's uh it's funny you brought up you know and i find myself saying it as well like i like i'm really good fantasy wise at this track or whatever and and it's always funny to see reactions because you know obviously certain drivers are better at certain tracks and it's 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 always wild to me but it's true i mean obviously i'm not crazy you're you said the exact same thing. You're better at certain tracks than you you are others. And, and the last couple of years, uh, heading into this year, road courses have been my absolute best road courses in Darlington have been my best this year. What I've struggled at the most have been road courses. And I think I did decent at Darlington, but yeah, I it's, it's, it's a, it's like a wave, you know, now, uh, the, I'm, I'm like you, the mile and a half this year have been really, my, my projections have been really fucking on it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. I, I don't, I don't think I could ever get away from this, this fancy NASCAR, uh, world as much as, you know, the rough stretches that, that make me question it, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. All it takes is one good week and I'm right back in, you know?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for me. I'm going through a little bit of a rough stretch here the past few weeks, but earlier in the year I was on fire. I mean, Homestead, I nailed Las Vegas. I, I nailed uh, Atlanta, I got Blaney at, what was it like 18 to one to win or something? I had, I, it was Bowman. I had an 18 or something and, or 20 and Blaney I had like 18 or 16. Uh, and they finished, you know, first and second or whatever it was at Atlanta. Um, or first and third, I should say. And Larson was second. Uh, uh, I nailed, um, uh, you know, just, just some of those races really early in the year. Um, I nailed Kyle Busch at Kansas. That's what it was. Uh, it was another one where I was like, Kyle Busch is just going to win this race. And he did. So, um, early in the year did really well. The last few weeks, basically since, um, circuit of the Americas has especially has been a struggle and and yeah, the road courses this year, pretty rough for me, but, uh, we'll see how Pocono goes. Pocono and Indy are, 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 very oddball tracks as far as old indie now. Um, obviously, indie roval this year is gonna be different, but uh, they're a little bit oddball tracks. I've had struggles and I've had successes. Um, so I, I don't know, this weekend will be interesting. Uh, gonna rely heavily on my model, which will again just backdate a bunch of Pocono stuff. And here's the other thing Larson didn't race Pocono last year. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, with Larson, we're going back to 2019 as really our only relevant data because uh 2018 that's when you had the 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 previous car here and you know and higher horsepower lower wing now here you're gonna have higher wing and and lower horsepower so um it it it, you know we only really have one year's worth of data for Larson that's relevant unless you want to go all the way back to 2015 uh at least as far as the downforce conditions are concerned with Pocono
1: yeah so that that made me look up it made me think because, you know, Larson was in the 42 for, for the first part of last year. And then Matt Kenseth took it over and, and you know, you being so high on Chastain Kenseth and did well, yeah. as well. Yeah, Kenseth finished 11th and 12th last year, which, you know, he's not setting the world on fire there, but when you consider how he ran last year, those were good races for, this te- for that team. For so. that 42.
0: That's actually something I meant to say during my uh, Chastain little spiel here, and I totally forgot. So thank you for reminding me. Uh, because yeah. that's a, that was another reason I really liked Chastain this weekend. You had Kenseth in that 42 car, uh, which is the same team that Ross Chastain is now that 42 car, uh, did, you know, two of his, two of his four best races that year. I mean, he had a 10th at Darlington, uh, a second at Indy and then 11th and 12th at Pocono, uh, 11th Pocono, 12th Pocono was four best finishes of the year. So, um, and, and of course Indy last year, they raced on the, the two and a half mile oval, which is very similar to Pocono. So essentially three of Kansas best four finishes last year were at this track type, um, which is that 42 team, really good track for Chastain in the lower series. Uh, Chastain's come on lately. He's done really well at the corollary tracks as far as tires, Ross Chastain, baby. Uh, I, I'm curious what I need to go to DraftKings right now and uh, check his odds on a top 10 finish. Do they have those out yet
1: uh they don't for me but uh i see top I know, three
0: like,
1: yeah some states are different like um i know tennessee they offer top 10 and top 20 odds and oh if i could if i could bet top 20 odds i'd be betting corey lajoy every week because he's always like seven to one for top 20s and uh you know corey lajoy is my boy since he doesn't like denny hamlin either yeah. so larson just updated even shorter odds now he's plus 225
0: 225 he's at 225 on both uh FanDuel and DraftKings now Chastain's 18 to 1 for top three on FanDuel and DraftKings I'm still curious on the top 10 number that's probably the number I want to bet as the weekend approaches uh with Chastain um but you know he's
1: plus money though right
0: oh I would think top 10 would be plus money uh I would think it'd be I think it'd be pretty good plus money like plus 275 plus 250 maybe
1: yeah, he's sixteenth on the board as far as winning. So um yeah, definitely gonna be hitting that. Um so I, I won't bet at first so I don't jinx him. But <laughs> but yeah, as far as, you know, you know, betting and, and finish wise, I I think we're both on the Chastain train this week, as much as I've talked shit about him in the past, but uh, you know, DFS wise, he's gonna be a, a great play because not many people are gonna take him starting sixth.
0: No, not many people will. And if he finishes, uh, especially, you know, DraftKings will probably price him down knowing he's already starting sixth. They price him down at, what, 6,400, and he finishes in the top five. Uh, That's – let's just say he finishes fifth. That's uh, 41-ish points there for place differential plus finishing position. Um, For a driver who's – in the six K range. I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. And then maybe squeaks off a few dominator points, you know, a couple fastest laps here, there he, let's say he puts up 42 points in the 42 and he's seven, seven <laughs> K that's six X value. So if he yeah. puts up, if he, you know, even if he's seven K uh, he has potential winning lineup ability, uh, I think this weekend in that 42 car there. So uh, you know, there's so many signs pointing to Chastain, which means he's probably gonna have a terrible race or something. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's just such a cool weekend. I mean, we've talked about Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Chris Busher, Ryan Newman, uh, potentially Michael McDowell. Obviously, Ross Chastain is the one we've been talking about the most. It's just a cool weekend. The return of Stuart Haas racing, maybe Al Almirola, uh did amazing at this track last year. So it's, you know, we still got the, the Hendrick dominance, um, could this be another good weekend for a Harvick? He's been so good here in the past. And if Stuart Haas Racing's coming back, Harvick might be a driver to bed at nine or 10 to one. Um, right. we talked about Elliot and Byron among the favorites, right? This is a good track for Truex, generally speaking, in the past. Uh, Blaney's one here in the past. I mean, this is such a crazy, crazy track. We talked about Logano at 21, just kind of wrapping this all up. That we have no heck an idea what's going to happen, dude. This is going to be an exciting weekend.
1: One more. Long shot for you. I gotta, I gotta figure out where he's starting or projected to start. Twenty third. So we're we're on the Chastain train. I think going back to Chastain first. What what's your max salary you'd pay for him? Um, obviously that's hard to tell where, with where they're going to price everybody else. But I feel like. My gut tells me he's gonna get priced about seventy two hundred dollars this week. I'd
0: definitely play him at seventy-two. Um, you know, let let's say that forty point ish ceiling um, would be like his fifteen percent outcome. Um, so fifteen percent outcome, let's say forty. Uh, forty divided by five is eight. So I'd probably play him anything under eight K. Uh, you know, I'd say maybe like seventy-seven, seventy-eight hundred would be probably the peak range that I'd I'd play him at at least, you know, 12, 15%, uh, minimum. Uh, and as mm-hmm. as that drops, I'd probably play him a little bit more and more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I agree. And, and if, if he's in, you know, if he's in the six K range, I know I'll, I'll be hammering him. Um, I'll yeah. Play. Yeah. And, Cause that, um, that
0: lowers the ceiling he needs to, to still have a, you know, be in the optimal lineup. Now, obviously, you know, 35 points, uh, isn't amazing, but thirty-five points divided by you know divided by five is still seven k. Um, so anything under seven k, like the mid six k range, is, is, is thirty-five points is great. Yeah, and that would give him a so, top, top seven or top seven or eight finish.
1: Yeah, with great upside. Um, so one more digging deep into the into the sleepers here. I have to mention him, Corey LaJoy. He's going to roll off 23rd. That team finished 15th at Nashville last week, 18th at Sonoma, 19th at Charlotte, 20th at Coda. He finished 22nd at Darlington. Last year at Pocono, he finished 23rd and 21st. If they price LaJoy like they normally do, you know, in the mid 5K range, to me, I, I love I LaJoy love every week, but, you know, definitely like that as a, as a tournament play with him starting 23rd, because nobody's going to want to play him just because of the name and, and how much they struggled earlier this year. But that team is running well. Uh, That actually brings up another question I thought about this week, not to go off on another tangent here, but why do you think there is a significant difference between the seven and the 77 this year? So the seven with Corey LaJoy, the 77 with Justin Haley, why do you think that is? Is it driver talent? Is it the cars? Because Spire's going down to one car next year, aren't they? Just mm-hmm. LaJoy. hmm Yeah. So do you think they've already made that, they've already started that transition, um, you know, of going down to, to one car? Or do you think the the talent level, because I, I think I think Corey LaJoy is super talented. You know, if if he was in a good car, I think he could I think he could really compete. Um, so do you think it's driver? Do you think it's uh, bad luck do you think it's equipment you know they're both spire cars
0: yeah it's it's a combination of a few different things i think first of it first and foremost it's resources this is the first time they've ever run two cars full-time mm-hmm. in the cup series um you know 2020 they just ran uh the 77 i mean they had a race there i get a couple races there where they renamed it to 74 renumbered it to 74 but last year they were ran one car this year they're running two cars, uh, and you know as most teams do, they they prioritize their cars. And uh, Lejoy is the one that got the the prioritization here, um, especially knowing they're probably going to drop back the one one chartered team. Uh, it makes sense to focus on the one chartered team, kind of like we're talking about with Keselowski, where maybe they've kind of flipped them the third in the pecking order at Penske. You know, I think probably Lejoy is first in the pecking order here. I don't think it's necessarily driver talent i I, i'm i'm not as high on justin haley maybe as other people are that said he did well last year i mean he finished third in the cup series or sorry in the xfinity series three wins um but i'm not as high on him as other people are he's struggling a little more in xfinity this year especially than he was last year and colleagues looked uh Overall, pretty good. I mean, Almondinger running second in the points there. You've got Justin Haley running seventh in the points there. Um, so certainly well behind his teammate. Um, he did miss the Dover race, but that doesn't make up, you know, a ton of that right there uh, versus Almondinger. I mean, he's he's uh, eighty three points behind his teammate, and one race isn't going to make up eighty three points there. So, um, you know, I, I think. Maybe a little bit is driver talent, maybe a little bit it's you know just a stretch of resources, and maybe a little bit is uh the fact that that's also gonna be the team that's probably disappearing next year you know, they're going down to one charter, and supposedly LaJoy, maybe Lejoy would be back next year, you'd think, so um, I kind of just that's that's where I think the difference is is it's a combination of a few things, and uh you know it, it, that's probably just we're gonna continue to see that through the rest of the season with between the seven and the seventy seven mhm
1: yeah
0: i think we we, we we could keep talking i mean we've already, we're almost <laughs> we're almost at two hours now but uh it just you know it makes me want to talk about next year and all this stuff you know with college right. coming up and uh you know all, all of the changes you know i mean there's so much good that's going on in the cup series you know uh wasn't there an announcement just a couple days ago another Xfinity team um going to do some races or run a season in cup like uh GMS I think it was they said they were going to yeah, yeah, run yeah. some cup races you know you've got maybe JRM um you've got you know another uh just just all sorts of stuff like going on where these these Xfinity teams are coming up to the cup series and not just any Xfinity teams like pretty good ones so yeah. uh you know as far as the Xfinity series is concerned you're looking at Some of the better teams now taking their shot at coming cup racing. That's going to make the field hopefully more deep, uh, you know, going forward as we transition to the new car. Um, Especially everybody kind of starts a little bit more on a level playing field. Uh, We could be talking three, five, seven years from now. College racing may be, uh, you know, kind of like on a Richard Childress level or something like that, where they're running two or three cars, that have the chance to compete for the occasional win or, or, or certainly consistent uh relatively consistent top tens
1: yeah um I think this this new car is definitely doing what NASCAR intended, and it's it's opening the door for you know ColA coming in um, GMS hell trackhouse wants to expand, and they might not be able to get a charter yeah
0: uh, oh that's right the 20- I expansion.
1: Twenty twenty three eleven. I don't know if they secured a second charter yet, but they they're going to expand to two. Uh, I think the rumor that I saw was, uh, no, maybe it was for Trackhouse, but uh, yeah, it was Trackhouse and Kurt Busch going to Trackhouse next mm-hmm. year and running the ninety seven to kind of close out his career, which that'd be that'd be cool. But that opens a uh, you know who's going to fill in the the number one at at Ganassi? Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, I saw rumors Kurt might go to twenty three eleven, so. You know, they, yeah. it, it's going to be a fun silly season because it's already getting silly. I mean, you're talking Brad Kislowski probably going to Roush. Will they expand to three teams or not? I don't think so, but you never know. I mean, uh, what's going to happen to that Penske car? Uh, you know, is is Sindric going to get moved over to Penske? Is the Benedetto going to get moved over to Penske? Is the Benedetto yeah. going to be out of a uh, out of the you know the the Penske stable if you include Wood Brothers altogether because he's not under contract for next year right now. So. Um, there's all sorts of moving parts and pieces here. Dude, next year is gonna be exciting. Uh, and you know, just the fact that yeah, the initial capital investment you need in these cars, uh, because they're brand new cars and, and everything that's being designed, uh, is gonna cost, but the cost to maintain them and moving forward is gonna reduce, which should bring in more teams potentially more engine manufacturers going forward. I know we'd all love to see another, another one get in there, break up those uh, Fords and Chevys a little bit to a fourth manufacturer. Cause you know, Toyota only has like five or six cars that are chartered. Um, and, uh, there could be exciting times on the horizon for NASCAR. Um, this year has been awesome. A lot of different winners. Um, the, 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 emergence of a potential historic superstar in Kyle Larson, um, and, uh, just a real bloodbath between, you know, Penske Gibbs, Hendrick, uh, this year, as far as the standings are going. And, um, you know, I know Penske has been off a little bit and Gibbs been off, but earlier in the year they were doing well. Um, you know, will Stuart Haas re-emerge any of these mid-tier teams? Can they squeak in? Uh, dude, it's, it's a good year. Uh, we've got new, exciting tracks, road America, um, you know, the Indy road course, Uh, we're going to end the regular season with the, you know, the second Daytona race and then playoff time, baby. It's, it's dude, NASCAR is looking good. NASCAR is looking good. The cup series, especially is looking in great shape, uh, for the rest of this year and for years to come. Um, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Yeah. So, uh, next year we should probably see 40 full, full fields of 40 cars on the regular.
0: Yeah. I would think more, more often than we've been. Um,
1: but going back to, so that it, you reminded me there when you were talking about Gibbs. Um, so when I tweeted out earlier this week, so I have, I have like $500 on, uh, true X to win the championship at eight to one. And I told myself, I'm going to bet that again, if he ever gets back to it. Cause he went down to six to one, uh, after his win at Darlington, um, and I said if it ever gets back to eight to one, I'm gonna bet it again. He's now at eight plus eight fifty on DraftKings, and I haven't hit it yet, but I'm probably going to. And someone tweeted me. I I apologize for not knowing who it is, whoever you are. Um, they said, and it makes sense. Um it, it or it made sense in my brain why Gibbs is struggling like they are now, is he said, um, he or she, I'm pretty sure it was a he. Anyway. Um basically said that Gibbs and Truex specifically are so hyper-focused on the playoff, playoff races tracks. this year that that is why they're struggling here. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. So now is the time, I think, I, I still love, you know, even betting Truex. I think he's like plus 150 to make it to Phoenix. I love that bet. Uh, and I and obviously, I love him to win the championship. I think if, if Kyle Larson doesn't win it, I think Truex is right there and can... Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he can beat him straight up, but...
0: Um, he's one seventy five now. Yeah, one seventy five now to make it to Phoenix.
1: Don't tell me that. <laughs> I have a I have a twelve minute drive to the line of Indiana to make that. Bet I
0: still, and, uh, uh, you know, talking futures bets. I do. I love Truex. Absolutely love Truex. Another driver I love, and I told you this a few weeks ago. I'd him at fourteen to one. Now he's seventeen to one over at Fanduel. William Byron to win the championship. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you talk about a guy who literally we mentioned this earlier in the show. His only bad finishes came at the three road courses uh, and the Daytona 500. Uh, and, you know, one of those road courses he still finished 11th. Guess what? There's only one road course in the playoffs.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And like I said, not enough people are talking about how good William Byron is this year. He, yeah. And it's it's weird to me. Like, I, obviously, Larson's going to get a lot of the talk. And then, you know, Gibbs is going to get the talk and the, and the, the Haas – struggles and everyone's just like completely oh uh, William Byron yeah he's pretty good but no he's putting up like, like he could Matt Kenseth this championship
0: <laughs> yes uh, absolutely and a couple extra points I wanted to make on Byron as far as regards to the championship one of the things I really like to use as far as like strength of a driver is just looking at the stage points they've accumulated this year it's not the perfect measure but if you just look at stage points you know Kevin Harvick only has 70 stage points that actually places him 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11th in the standings. If you just went by stage points, which kind of feels like how Harvick's run as far as like upside. He doesn't feel like he has huge amounts of upside this year. He feels like he's been in that, you know, four to 12 range most of the year. Uh, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, William Byron, third in the overall standings and fourth in stage points behind uh, Elliot, Larson and Hamlin know, three monster names there. Yet he's being priced to win the championship as the 11th place driver on FanDuel. Uh, then look at what track the final race of the year is on. It's Phoenix. Well, guess what? William Byron's best track types are the flat tracks. He won at <laughs> Phoenix and Iowa. In the Xfinity series, he won at Iowa and Pocono in New Hampshire in the Truck series. Um, yeah, certainly he won at Homestead this year, but you know some of his best finishes this year came at the at Martinsville. He finished fourth, uh, and in the past, you know he, he's finished ninth and tenth at Phoenix last year. Uh, and if they're making strides on a ninth and tenth place finish from last year, uh, imagine what he could do in his first year in the Cup series. His two best finishes. Um, well, three best finishes came at Pocono and Phoenix and Watkins Glen, um, which, you know, being a road course, which is nice to see, but, uh, the other two best finishes were at flat tracks. So Phoenix is one of his better tracks. Uh, flat tracks are his better track. If he makes it to that final four, he's a threat to win the whole championship here. And right now he's in the top four, as far as the whole season performance goes in stage points in season standing points, and just in terms of consistency, the dude, has only had four bad finishes, three of them, you know, and I, I should really say only three bad finishes, two of them are road courses and one of them at the Daytona 500, which everybody has bad finishes at, at super speedway races.
1: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And uh, those were great points. The, uh, the, the main metric I look at when it comes to championship and, and who I think is going to win it. And this was a big reason why I, I said Chase Elliott was going to win the championship last year because of this is green flag speed throughout the whole year. Last year, as much as Kevin Harvick dominated and Denny Hamlin dominated chase Elliott was actually the fastest car last year when it came to green flag speed. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a dip there in the middle of the season where he didn't perform as well. He basically pulled what a, what a Gibbs is doing right now. You look at green flag speed this year, obviously Kyle Larson's the best. Uh, I just pulled up on NASCAR media, the average rank, through Nashville now, so through seventeen races, Larson average rank five point seven five. Number two, William Byron five point eight seven. He's right there with Kyle Larson, and then third is Martin Truex Jr. at six point oh seven. Yeah. So, and and not only that. So, obviously, I think we both agree Larson's probably going to get into the final four. What if what if he doesn't make it to the final four? What if Chase Elliott doesn't make it to the final four? the favorite is going to be William Byron in that Hendrick car. Cause he's going to have the best that Hendrick has in that shop. Yeah. And like you said, he's great at that track. He's super fast this year. Uh, him and Rudy Fugel, uh, what a pairing that was, that's almost like it, not saying it is almost like it could end up being like, um, you know, Johnson and canals, um, as far as the pairing of those two, if, if, if it works long term, um, Cause we saw as soon as those two split, you know, Johnson, that's when he fell off.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> you know, 17 to one is good value there. I like the value on tricks, at, at eight and a half to one, uh, as far as on DraftKings, I mean, that places him tied for fifth with the I think he's probably a, you know, a, a fifth place or better driver this, you know, as far as full season. I mean, Right now if you just look at the point standings, um, he's 7th but as far as stage points, he's 5th, right? So I love that bet on Truex, especially if you consider the lull has been uh, which again is a great point since Darlington which is in the playoffs, the next 5 races are not race tracks uh, are not in the playoffs, which is Dover he finished 19th, Coda he finished 35th, Charlotte Oval he finished 29th, Sonoma he finished 3rd and then Nashville 22nd. None of those 5 are in the Playoffs. Um, Charlotte is, but it's not the Oval, it's the Roval. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Dover, no longer a track that's in the playoffs anymore. So they don't need to focus on that. So that's a very good point there. Um, Truix, eight and a half, Byron, 17 to one. Um, and then getting you know, Larson to the final four, uh, you know, minus 150. That's that's some good futures bets right there. I don't, you almost don't need to bet anything else.
1: Yeah. I, uh, and it, part of me wants to say you know it's it's almost like crypto or you know the buy the dip buy the dip that's kind of what we're seeing right now with truex you mm-hmm. know the more they struggle if it if they have him at plus 850 and he struggles here at both pocono races and then he'll probably be good at road america uh but you know struggles these next couple of races next three four races he could get to 10 to 1 i wouldn't be surprised at that
0: and oh yeah i wouldn't if,
1: and you know if that happens I'm, it's going to be like the ultimate Jordan Jinx. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to keep hitting it. I, I, I just, I love that value, you know, and, and especially like you said, the, the plus 175 to, to just make it to Phoenix. You look at the points right now, Truex is second in playoff points. So that's really what I'm focusing on a lot right now is, is playoff points. So if, if Larson continues to gobble up playoff points like he is, Truex having the second most is only going to help him, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I love that bet for, for Truex making the final four. And and like I said, I completely agree with you with, with Byron, you know, 17 to one, just awesome odds there. Um, even, even if, you know, if it's a, if it's an all Hendrick, uh, (laughs) final four, which I don't think anybody would be surprised, uh, Byron still has a chance, you know, you go back to, uh, earlier race this year Larson had to start in the back he had like three speeding penalties Uh, I still think he had the best car fastest car that race but uh, he was only able to get up to like sixth and they fizzled out and it was Martin Truex Jr. in victory lane so
0: yeah I I completely agree and uh, you know it's weird when we're talking about Alex Bowman only you know, maybe being a top, a borderline top 10 driver. Cause he's got two wins, right? You know, he's 12th in the points right now. He's uh 10th as far as stage points go, but as far as playoff points go, he's third. So, you know, lots of different metrics here. He's just had a lot of bad finishes and that's where you compare somebody like Bowman to somebody like Harvick Harvick's the closer, right? The dude might struggle, but he knows how to finish races. Uh, is, is Bowman the anti-closer? I mean, th- the guy's got so much upside, but he's sitting there 12th in
1: points. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely, he hasn't mastered that, that consistency skill yet. You know, Byron went through his issues, his first two years, he really struggled at mile and a half. Uh, he'd run well, but he'd often wreck or, or make a mistake. And, and now obviously that's, that's moot because we don't run it too many mile and a half tracks anymore. But um, I think he kind of got that reputation of, you know, oh, he's, he's overhyped. And now all of a sudden he's, I'd say he's at least top five Mm -hmm. i i'd put him top five uh so you got obviously larson elliott throw truex in there probably hamlin yeah and then byron I'd, i'd i'd throw byron probably fifth behind those guys
0: yeah i mean i was gonna i was literally just gonna say who would you put if you had to right now who would you put in the final four and i was considering hamlin larson Byron Elliott and Truex, like that's pretty much the only five drivers I'm considering. Uh, as far as like if I had to right now put in four drivers into the championship, it would be four of those five drivers.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And the only wild card to me is is Martinsville and how strong those those Penske cars can be at Martinsville. You know, if if Blaney makes it to the round of eight. He could sneak out a win at, at Martinsville and screw everything up. Yeah, Blaney or
0: Logano, absolutely. Um yeah. Yeah, remember Logano moved Truex out of the way for that win to get him locked into the final four of the year he won the championship. So uh the year Logano won the championship. So um yeah, that's definitely a wild card there. You know, wins definitely are a wild card. Uh you can you can win and get in. You know, that's how Jeff Gordon got in that one year. Um so winning and getting in is is a really nice wild card. But uh you know, if it was just points or speed or whatever, it's five drivers for me. It, it, it's the five I named. Um, but I could certainly see Logano or Kyle Busch or or Blaney or Bowman sneaking their way in. Maybe a Harvick or Keselowski, probably not. But like you know, after that, we're pretty much nobody else is getting into the in, into the championship race this year. So while there's been a lot of parity. Um, you know Michael McDowell winning, Christopher Bell winning. I think when it comes down to the championship, we're still going to see, like we do every year, pretty much all Chuck uh, in the Final Four.
1: Yeah, so right now there is... I know the talk before Larson went on this run was like all the crew chiefs thought we're for sure getting 16 winners. And I'm not sure we do anymore. Uh, right now there is 11 different winners. And among the top drivers with no wins... Uh, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, Kurt Busch, Chris Buescher, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Matt DiBenedetto, Ross Chastain. It's hard for me to see any of those guys outside of Hamlin and Harvick taking a win. Unless, uh, you know,
0: I could see potentially, potentially, uh, Daytona, of course, um,
1: uh, taking D- Daytona out of it. You know, that's anybody's race there. Right. Oh,
0: you know maybe a a a miracle a funny thing with like ross chastain at pocono or something um Mm -hmm. uh and then maybe something happens at a road course so we're talking like maybe three winners extra which would put us at 14. yeah
1: it would have been it would have been really interesting if suarez could have pulled off the bristol dirt win and chastain could have pulled pulled off the the nashville win last week uh we would definitely be talking about, you know, Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick having a real chance at missing the playoffs this year. Um potentially. I mean th- I mean <laughs> you you still think you'd need to get
0: to fifteen winners uh for that to happen because we'd be at thirteen then. Uh and then if Hamlin or Harvick won, that'd be fourteen. Um but uh right. you know, you'd need Daytona for a fifteenth different winner. Um and if Hamlin leads the mm-hmm. point standings, I think the is it still that the the if you lead the points but you don't have any wins, you still automatically get in over somebody that has a win. Yep. Um so if Hamlin still ends up leading the points and there's sixteen winners, he would and he's not one of the winners, he would still get into the playoffs over the sixteenth place winner. Um if I remember See, correctly.
1: Uh, yeah, that that's true. But I just I've already th- wrote him off as not winning the, the point, the regular season points this week, this year. I just don't see how he can keep up with Larson. You know, Larson's Larson's closed the gap over these last it's, few weeks by it's about possible. I mean, points.
0: it's possible. I mean, Denny's really good at Pocono, Um, really good at Pocono. That's true. Uh, yep. He's really good at New Hampshire. He's a pretty darn good road course racer. I mean, before this year we would have put him ahead of Larson uh, at road courses and there's two road courses, three road courses left. Um, and he's amazing at the Daytona, you know, at super at, at, uh, uh, super speedway races. So he could potentially win all of these, you know, or at least before the year started, we would have said he could have been favorites at all, you know, near the favorites in all of them, except maybe Atlanta and Michigan or something like that, uh, for the remaining regular, for the remaining regular season races. Yeah. Which is pretty wild.
1: Uh, I guess. Yeah. So like a Larson blown engine on Saturday and, a, a Denny Hamlin top five, that's going to be a 40 point swing and all of a sudden, you know, his, his leads back up to 50 points. So, Mm -hmm. um, plus, I mean, that's not taking into account stage points. So
0: yeah, it's, um, it's tough. Um, you know, it's, it's more likely than not that Larson probably overtakes Denny, but, uh, it, it doesn't mean it's a guarantee. Um, those two are, you know, 70 plus points ahead of their, their next competitor in William Byron. Yeah. But yeah, I would have, I would love loved to see Suarez grab that Bristol win, um, Chastain last weekend. Uh, well,
1: you know, so it, there's always to close Bristol, calls. If, if Suarez would have won it, Legato wouldn't have a win this year.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So he, he could have been, he could, you know, in that theoretical situation, he could be the odd guy out cause well, Harvick's lower than him in the points. So right, probably right. not, but, um, can you believe that Harvick has the second most top tens this year?
0: I know it's crazy.
1: And Byron has the most, thirteen, and then Hamlin, Larson, and Harvick have twelve.
0: Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. It's uh, you know one guy yeah, we haven't it's... talked about at all, at all today is uh, we haven't mentioned his name is uh, maybe we did once, uh, when we were talking silly season, but Matt Benedetto, like that mm-hmm. guy has been so close to some wins as well. Um, I don't really see anything outside of Daytona. He could win in the rest of this year, uh, for the regular season. Um, but I mean, Bristol in the playoffs, he could, you know, he could sneak one away from the big guns and, and, uh, change things in the playoffs as far as like, you know, winning in, he'd steal a winning in from somebody. Um, but I'm just trying to find like anywhere where extra wins could come from. And it's tough to see where like, you know, guys that don't have a win outside of the big names, uh, can win. I mean, you're not really looking at Chris Bush or winning any of these tracks, even though he dominated part of Homestead. Um, you're not really looking, maybe Kurt Busch could steal a win somewhere. Uh, but they haven't been running amazing. Um, you know I mean? Chastain's been running better than Kurt Busch lately. Uh, it's tough to see where another win can come from outside of, of what's already been won, plus like Hamlin and Harvick.
1: Yeah, I feel like the opportunity to steal wins kind of went away a lot when uh, when they took all the mile and a half away, because we saw how important track position was in all those races. You know, you had Austin Dillon winning last year. You had Kurt Busch stealing, I think, Kentucky. Um, Cole, Custer. Cole Custer. Cole Custer
0: stole Kentucky.
1: Custer. Um, maybe Kurt Busch stole the year before. Um, you know, Logano had no business winning Kansas, but he did. And Kurt stole um, Vegas last year. Yeah. So do you, this actually goes back to a point you're talking about, you know, underdogs winning at Pocono and how unlikely it has been. You have to go back to when Ryan Blaney won actually in the Wood brothers car, mm-hmm. which is the car that De is running now. Do you think De Benedetto has a chance a, a very slight outside chance You know, he finished 13th here and sixth in the two races last year, top tens in all four stages. Um, I don't think that team's running as well as they could right now. You know, like I said, like we said, Penske's not doing well, but this week is, could be one that, you know, the Fords show up because of how important horsepower is at Pocono. Um, So definitely, I think DeBendetto is a guy to keep an eye on, maybe not for a win, but you know, definitely a top 10 in my eyes.
0: Yeah. I mean, even 2019 at, at Levine two seventeenth 17th place finishes at Pocono, we finished 22nd in the points. So this is a guy who can finish ahead of where he finishes in the overall season standings. Now, obviously he's not where he wants to be in the overall season standings 19th right now, but let's say he finishes six spots better. That's a you know, borderline top 12 contender here in Matt Benedetto. And you mentioned you know one of those races last year was a sixth place finish at Pocono uh, average of a nine and a half place finish. So um, I just, I'm so excited for this weekend because there's so many drivers that can pull off a good finish here. Like pretty much the only guys we haven't talked about that could pull off a good finish are like, bubble wallace and ryan priest or something like that you know i mean uh i think we've pretty much mentioned the rest of the field in some way shape or form uh not necessarily specifically custer and briscoe but the fact that stewart haas did amazing last year with with almirola and harvick and boyer um you know we've talked about jones newman suarez chastain de benedetto i guess we haven't really mentioned ricky stenhouse uh or or or, you know we've mentioned chris busher even like There's very few drivers we've mentioned that haven't had, uh, uh, a reason to talk about them for this weekend at Pocono Stenhouse last year, 17th and 15th at Pocono. He finished 24th in the season standing. So, you know, he averaged eight spots better than, uh, than his, his final season result at Pocono. So, um, going to be a wild race or weekend, I should say heading into Pocono.
1: Yeah. Stenhouse starts seventh. Um, you know, going back to him, um, the interesting thing, you know, looking at de benedetto i wouldn't I wanted to see if that was a fluke finish last year when he finished sixth here. he had the fifth best driver rating in that race, so hard for me to call that a fluke you know um right running that but it brings up the point he started eighth how how much do you how important is track position in your eyes at a track like Pocono um you know, obviously we have Chase Elliott, who's probably going to start. I haven't projected to start 29th. Ryan Blaney is going to start 27th. Um, Keselowski 17th, you know, uh, true X 15th. Uh, how, how important do you think track position starting track position is going to be? Obviously this is a, this is a lot shorter, uh, not a lot shorter race, but about a third of a, or a fourth of a 75% of the typical Pocono race. Um, a little bit more, but, um, It's a relatively short race and you know, one mistake can absolutely kill you here um, with it being so short and yeah, we're not, we shouldn't see a lot of cautions. Um, You know what? Another thing that
0: always happens at Pocono speeding on pit road. Yep. It's one of the most notorious tracks for speeding on pit road and in a 325 mile race that could kill you. Um, track position is important.
1: You know, who's been awful with speeding this year too? Uh,
0: i want to say like Truex or somebody i can't remember who it's not denny uh who is it
1: yeah true x has been bad kyle larson has had quite a bit of speeding issues as well yeah and chase elliott um but larson sticks in my head so right right just just throwing more on that uh fade larson a little bit train this week um
0: <laughs> yeah i need to go back through the numbers and look at the speeding penalties this year i think Truex has is at a two or three maybe um but uh, sure. I know, this, I know this past weekend at Nashville, he had one.
1: Yeah. He's, he, uh, his seemed to come in bunches, uh, you know, like he'll get like three in one race. And yeah, I know yeah. like going back to Phoenix, Larson had like three in that race and Kyle Bush did as well. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So speeding on pit road is, is definitely a thing at Pocono. I remember one year they were talking, like we set a record number for speeding on pit road in a single race. Um, So that just adds more wildness to an already potentially wild weekend as far as, uh, you know, seeing some new names up front, potentially, Um, you know, I, 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 it's, it might be a great week to just bet like the whole board of drivers that we just mentioned at plus odds to finish in the top 10.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Does that uh does the speeding issues here kind of make a small case against Chastain because of how aggressive he is of a driver or do you just, you know, you, you can't try to predict penalties. I don't
0: either? think you can predict penalties. You know, they come in bunches, but they, it, it could be variants, you know, it could just be um like in some cases it's often the tack, like maybe the tax off or the lights are off. You know, they talk about the lights in the car. I had three, I had three greens. Why was I, why was I speeding? You know um, it, it, can just happen um i know with pocono the, just the way the timing lines are and stuff it really catches people out so um you know this might be a track more where aggression may, may hurt you as far as that so that could hurt chastain uh maybe it hurts somebody or maybe it helps somebody who's a little more smooth like you'd think of a chris busher or something like that uh a little bit of a smoother more consistent type driver maybe it helps a william byron um <laughs> type <laughs> type driver here uh who's a little less aggressive. Uh, Whereas other tracks, it you know where we see these speeding penalties, I think it often comes from like missed settings on the the RPMs or the TAC or the the lights or the dash or whatever all these different things are. Um, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not especially, super super especially technical the, on them, but um, I think this is a track where maybe aggression could hurt a little more as far as speeding.
1: Yeah, especially the races where you know driver gets gets three speeding penalties, it's definitely. It's not the driver being overly aggressive. There's something wrong in in how the tack was set, or something like that. It's uh, the first one was probably the driver's fault, but the the next two wouldn't be. So,
0: yeah, interesting race. Who knows? Um, you know, maybe it hurts Chastain a little more, but then again, he still finished first and second in his last two Pocono races uh, in Cup and Xfinity, or sorry, Xfinity and trucks. So, yeah tough to say and and had a great finish last year relative to uh, the rest of his season, Um, you know, finished, uh, I should say at a California where the tires were the same. Um, And then 2019, one of his best finishes of the year for premium was at Pocono. So, you know, maybe it hurts him to be more aggressive, but it hasn't seemed to hurt him in his finishes at Pocono.
1: Yeah. And maybe he's just aggressive on the track and not on pit road. Yeah, there's always
0: that, too. Maybe some people are more cautious. I don't want to throw away everything I've worked hard to get type thing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it could also just come down to um, almost not even aggression, but maybe more like carelessness. Like Kyle Larson's aggressive, but I think sometimes he can be a little careless, too. Like I've seen him just put it in the wall because he's over aggressive, you know, uh, or in Denny Hamlin's case, maybe he's a little lazy and he just doesn't get woe down enough, you know, because it, it's – not not because he's over aggressive, but more like, uh, it's like not quite paying attention to detail type thing, so maybe with Chastain, maybe just pays attention to detail. I don't know, it's so tough to say you don't know what goes through these drivers' minds, you know, Danny Hamlin pretty much doesn't speed on pit road these days, so it's one of those mm-hmm. things where maybe a driver gets the yips or or something like that, and it gets corrected It's one of those sports psychology things that's super interesting, but no idea, yeah,
1: that's one of those quite like. See, we need to go to a race and get media passes and ask these drivers these questions instead of, you know, the typical, the Jim utter, "Oh, how'd your race go?" Like, no, ask them like actual questions to actually get them thinking. Yeah, and not not just turn into a sponsor plug like everything else. Um, Yeah, we'll do that. I'll I'll fly out to Vegas for the Vegas race and we'll go and get media passes and there we go. Ask these guys. Ask why them the why real do you speed on that? pit road? God, they're going to hate us. <laughs> I'm trying. To, us. <laughs> I, I'm, trying I, I'm trying to get a, a small edge in DFS. Why Denny Hamlin, why do you give up road? at the
0: end of races? I can see you asking me. Oh God, Denny Hamlin, why'd you ban me on Twitter?
1: Yeah, and Daniel Suarez <laughs> and, uh, oh, uh, and oh dear, Bagman and there's a, there's mo- a Moody. <laughs> <laughs> moody hasn't. Moody just muted me. Oh okay, muted, um, moody, moody muted. I will say though, Kyle Bush had me blocked. And I never said, like, Kyle Bush is my favorite driver mm-hmm. and has been. I've never said anything bad about him. Apparently, I was like in a thread or something. Oh, Cody Ware has me blocked too because I,
0: oh, yeah, I point out I, I got the old Cody Ware block.
1: Yeah. But uh, so Kyle Bush, like, I didn't know why I was b- blocked. And I was like, I was like a little upset about it. Well, I ended up tweeting his wife. And next thing I know, I'm unblocked. And I was like, yes. Nice. So I actually got unblocked from a driver. I don't think I've I'll only, ever get
0: I've only been blocked twice. Cody Ware, which was on purpose almost. Uh <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'll pile on here. I even like mentioned it. I was like, I'm gonna pile on here and get the block. Uh and then um Regan Smith blocked me because I was making a DFS point and he got super upset, I guess, because I said he was like he was I think he was substituting in a race or something in like a backmarker car. And I was like, oh, he's kind of like a field filler this weekend or something. I tweeted it out like in a response to somebody, and he like must have searched his name and blocked me. Oh,
1: that's what happened with Cody Ware too, because I never
0: Oh, I uh, I added Cody Ware. I, I straight up added uh, him in a you know, like in a thread, and I rep- responded to somebody else. And I had like you know, it was like at Cody Ware or whatever it is. And but Regan Smith like searched his name to block me, I guess.
1: Because
0: it wasn't an at Regan Smith at all.
1: Oh my gosh. But, funny uh, enough uh like i've n- I, I don't know if i'll ever get blocked by um rick allen but if i do that's going to be like my pin tweet my header everything <laughs> is going to be that when i get blocked by rick allen that's my life is complete on twitter like i'm done after that <laughs> that's my goal i that's one of my favorite things to do after a race is just search rick allen and there is never one good thing said about the guy. And there was one this week that was like a literal mute would be better at doing this than Rick. Allen. Oh man. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh, this wasn't, I want to get, blocked on, get blocked on
0: Twitter by Paul Menard. Cause that means Paul Menard would be on Twitter. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, you mentioned Kyle Busch is your favorite driver. I don't have a favorite driver. You know, I like Denny Ham. I mean, he's won me a lot of money. He, Followed me on Twitter for a while there. Uh, and um, yeah, so, I mean, I liked any, but I wouldn't say he's my favorite driver. I don't really have a favorite driver. I just love the sport. Like, I love the competition. Mm-hmm. I love the fantasy competition, betting. Um, and I know you maybe have been not as high on this driver as me, but if somehow Kaz Grala gets a full-time ride, he might become my favorite driver. Uh, the dude's good. The dude at road courses he's good at the plate races the super speedway races still hard not to call him plate races At super speedway races he's good um and uh the dude just needs more seat time um and i hope he gets to race a bunch of races in that second college car next year
1: so let me clarify my supposed hatred of cascara K- i don't hate him i think he's talented i think he has a lot of talent i hate guys that are overhyped so it more comes from the public opinion like daniel suarez i don't really like daniel suarez but i don't hate him as much as a lot of people think i do i hate the hype around him Mm -hmm. thinking he is an all-star austin Dillon, i think is just a no talent driver which he's kind of proven me both these guys (laughs) this is like the this is like a version of the jordan jinx the guys that i don't like you know suarez suddenly looks really good this year i'll admit that austin dylan is doing better than i expected these last two years um when denny hamlin finally wins a championship if he does i don't think it'll ever happen but uh i i think that's like the the ultimate jordan jinx of man you know, i'm gonna really rub it in your face and... so hard <laughs> <laughs> i will, I will say, say
0: oh well we both
1: will say uh, go ahead yeah so uh when i was in vegas uh this last what it what was it may or whatever the the I played roulette before I headed to the airport and Denny Hamlin, 11 hit four times in a row. And I was about to text you and be like,
0: well, cause you and I, I were I playing, was, you and I were playing. Yeah, All exactly. I could do was hit 11s. I kept hitting 11s. Yeah. It was crazy.
1: You know me, I bet the high numbers. So that was just like the perfect ending to that trip. Like, like <laughs> four, four Denny Hamlin's in a row and me losing. You and
0: I sat down at, at like uh, the roulette table in one of the casinos there. Um, and I think after like an hour, Denny Hamlin hit for me like four times or something. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's funny. Uh, my favorite number is twenty-seven, which part of why I like Paul Menard. I mean, um, he ended up driving twenty-seven eventually. He didn't always drive the twenty-seven, um, and then with Wood Brothers, he threw up the twenty-one. But my favorite number is twenty-seven. I think 27 hit once the whole time you PJ and I were playing at any of the tables, 27 just never hit. So my favorite number was not the lucky roulette number, uh, while we were, (laughs) we were hanging out. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, NASCAR is such a great sport and I tend to, to gravitate towards, um, you know, the Chevys overall, just in general, I've always been a Chevy guy for some reason. I guess I like Denny just because he followed me on Twitter and I, he won me a lot of money. Um, but I've never really been a fan of the Fords or the Toyotas just overall. I was still a Paul Menard fan when we went to Ford, um, after he left Childress. But, uh, yeah, I just tend to be a Chevy fan. Uh, like growing up, I was a fan of Jeff Gordon and, and, and team Hendrick. I was a fan of Dale Earnhardt. Um, Mm -hmm. so I know like Jamie McMurray back in the day. I tend to just really gravitate, you know, Casey Kane when he drove the Chevy, uh, for Hendrick, um, always been a Hendrick fan. Um, Robbie Gordon was driving a Chevy. Uh, you know, it's just, I've always been a Chevy guy. Not like, I'm not like Chevys are better. It's just for some reason, the drivers I've tended to gravitate towards have driven Chevys. Um, and it kind of just, that trend kind of continues to this day. Uh, but uh, one driver, I, I, my least favorite driver, absolutely in the cup series is Joey Logano. I, do not like the guy, but I do thank him very much for winning me a lot of money a couple times, and I did donate donate to the Joey Logano Foundation. So um, yeah. don't like the driver, but that doesn't bias me any way, shape, or form in betting or fantasy. Uh, and that's where I need y'all to get off your high horse about this race was bad because Kyle Busch won, and this race was good because <laughs> Chase Elliott won. That's dumb. That's all I got. Yep. Vote for Absolutely. the on track product. Vote for the on track product.
1: Yep, one hundred percent. So. I think that's going to wrap it up for episode one of stacking Denny's.
0: Yeah. We had a lot Follow to get us through on Twitter. We had a lot to get through yeah. today. I think they will be a little shorter going forward, but uh, you know, we kind of want to kick it off with a bang here.
1: Yeah. Let us know what you think of this. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Rotodoc. I am at fan racing online. Check out his uh, Nick's um, projections at fantasylabs.com. You can find all my content at fantasy racing online.com. And we will see you or talk to you next week.
0: Have a good one, everybody. Take care.